0: Hello there. No. Welcome. No, 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 no. You see, right out of the box. No.
1: Hey there. Welcome to Motorcycles and Misfits coming to you from the Recycle Garage that's not from in sunny Santa Cruz, uh, okay. California. Okay, okay, let me
2: try. Let me try. Hey there. Hey there. Welcome to the Recycle Garage wow. coming to you from sunny Santa Cruz, California. Wow, that's making me feel like special down under. <laughs>
1: It was close, hey there. but he failed to make mention. Mm-hmm. Motorcycles yeah. and the misfits, who oh, are, oh, we oh, are. We're the misfits. Now,
3: now, do it as if this is exciting.
2: Hey there! <laughs> Welcome to the Motorcycles and Misfits podcast. Coming to you from sunny Santa Cruz, California. No, you
3: skipped something in there.
2: <clears throat> what did I miss? The Reese. <laughs> Oh, motorcycles uh, and misfits recycle. You got to say both. Yes. Yeah.
3: From the recycle garage oh, in. in. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. Okay, take
2: hey. three. <laughs> hey there. Welcome to the motorcycles and misfits podcast coming from the recycle garage in sunny. Santa Cruz, California.
1: USA! 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 Grandpa scrotum. Grandpa (laughs) (laughs)
3: scrotum.
2: Okay, okay. I think I got it.
3: Hey, everyone. This is Liza. Thank you for that lovely introduction, Craig.
1: Very welcome. (laughs) You know, I am so happy that Craig is becoming one of our regulars now. He's a he's very, he's very nice man. He's a very nice man. He's very keen.
2: I take a bath at least once a week.
3: Okay. <laughs> Joining me in the studio tonight, still here for now, <laughs> <his> <laughs> Stumpy John.
4: I am here. I have not slid off the hill yet.
3: I, I, is now, is I, your thing?
4: I, I have a poem. Oh, okay. Do you want the poem now? Sure. This is called An Ode to the Misfits. Oh, Are you two paying attention to my poem? No. They're not. I spent so much time on this, too, this weekend. Go on. I spent hours slaving over this. God. (laughs) In a garage in Santa Cruz, a group of misfits gather round. With grease on their hands and oil on their clothes, they work on motorcycles they found. These intrepid riders, fearless and bold, have a passion for the open road. And with their bikes, they are never controlled as they seek out new adventures untold. From the mountains to the desert sands, they ride with a sense of freedom and pride... With each twist and turn, they take a chance and live life with nothing to hide. They're a group of riders with a bond that never can be broken. As they roar down the highway, they leave a trail of smoke and devotion. So, if you see the misfits passing by with their engines roaring and tires screaming, just know that they're living life to the fullest and chasing their dreams with a passion beaming.
1: <clears throat> I think wow. that's good. Cr- that's
3: lovely, it's quite John. beautiful, isn't it? It really well, is. Well. You know what, John? Beautiful. Yes. Uh, You're a poet, and I didn't know that
4: i didn't either until i got chat gpt <laughs> 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 very
3: very nice uh let's keep going though
1: on the classy girl couch tonight it's miss emma aloha darlings i am so happy to be here um yeah, I mean, John, your house is about to fall into the river, isn't it? Oh, yeah. we're not getting there oh, yet. Oh, We'll get there. Oh, yeah, we'll get there. We've still got more introductions. Yeah, no, but nevertheless, I'm I'm thrilled to say that Monterey, California, it's uh, we've been pounded, but not to that. Level. You
3: are not an island yet.
1: We were for a day.
3: Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Also on the classic girl Couch tonight,
1: it's Craig the Giant. Don't call it a comeback. Oh. Been here for years. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, Craig was wincing a little mm. bit because we still have bags of dicks that we're eating. Yes, and um, I've I, been there's like a case left. And I've, I've never, I've never been, seen
4: anybody cram dicks in his mouth as much as Craig has. Um,
1: well,
3: <laughs> okay. I, okay, let's just get through the intro before people I, start turning I, us I, off.
1: I, I've been doing things to them.
3: Okay, and of course, joining us from his garage full of Vespas, it is a bagel
1: uh
5: greetings morgan <laughs>
0: uh <laughs>
5: um, <laughs> all, all i can all i can think of is is the um um what's what's that uh, uh that skit the too many dicks on the dance floor
2: <laughs> <laughs>
4: what <laughs>
1: you, what yeah. i've never
2: seen this skit can
4: you
1: it's perform my, it for us
2: it's my dick in a box <laughs>
1: no uh, I, uh, I, I mean would you like to perform an that, interpretive dance
5: for us Bagel. No, it's it's that New Zealand uh, comedy group. Um, oh, totally, the, the the name totally slips slips me at the moment. I
1: don't know of any New Zealand comedy. I but know of the kids in the hall. I right didn't think anything Canadians. was funny over there. Um, I have uh, a question. The, Concord,
5: the flight of the Concords Oh, okay, oh,
1: okay, okay. Yeah, um, this is one of their skits. Oh my
4: God! Hey, but, it's not hey, coming but,
1: but, from the ashes. You guys, you guys keep passing <laughs> this <laughs> <laughs> Coming from the asses, hello, Knack. Um, <laughs> Knack, would you like a dick? <laughs> uh,
3: yeah, bagel. Um, I have a
1: question for you, darling. Um, yes. Yeah, and it was it was prompted um, by saying garage full of Vespas, and I know that you've got a lot of Vespas, but we are in fact looking at a heinke heinkel in the picture behind us. How many Lambrettas do you own? I own zero Lambrettas. <laughs> That's my how, favorite. How many Lambrettas would you like to own? Um, you can be honest. Seven
5: million. I, I did own a Lambretta at one point, um, Mm. but it was a basket case and I, I got it cheap and I sold it cheap and, you know, I just, I never really did much to it. I got a few parts for it and fixed a few things. It's
1: it's not your comfort zone, sweetie.
5: Yeah. It's not, not something I have really a lot of experience with. I think they're great bikes, but it's just not. Well, that's
3: a a safe
1: answer, sweetie. Yeah. What's okay.
3: up, hey, but
1: and hey, Nock.
0: there's
3: knock. So, so Hi. probably what you're Nock,
1: saying, knock. Knock. You Nock. want
3: to eat a dick? We got a bag of dicks. No,
6: right? I, I don't need to take a shit immediately. <laughs> so,
1: in in conclusion, bagel, you're you're saying that all Umbretta riders are complete bastards and probably eat babies. That's what I heard. What? Yeah, I think that's what we heard. That's what I heard. Yeah, no,
6: and you thought bikers are bad. We <laughs> <laughs> only really, really eat full
0: grown people, not
3: babies. Well, hey, let's um, get to. Uh, so we we've been pounded. No, we, he knock hasn't done an introduction. Yet. Yes, I did. You weren't paying attention.
6: <laughs> no, no. <laughs> oh, but he yes. hasn't
3: said anything. Yes, yet. he did. What's,
6: what's up, dickheads? There yeah, go. yeah, there <laughs> oh.
3: um, <laughs> Right, even though today we have a break, it's nice and sunny out. A bunch of people came to the garage. Yes. Haven't seen Henry for a while. That yeah. was great. And
1: that he was on people, his goozy.
3: Yeah, people came out. Um, Ben's here, too. Yeah, Ben was here. And yeah, Patrick and James. And of course, a whole bunch of people. Uh, kind of getting back to the usual. But. Um, we're still in the middle of all the storms and, yep. and we've survived here at the garage. Okay. Emma, you were almost on an island. Uh, you were separated from us. Well, for if, about you, a week. if
1: you remember a couple of weeks ago, I couldn't come mm-hmm. because the main highway was underwater. Right. This is how wild California's been.
3: Um, but there is one of us who has uh, suffered the
1: uh, needlessly
3: repercussions yeah. <laughs> of the storms.
1: By being married for how many years? Uh, <laughs> so that would be Melissa suffering, not me. Uh,
3: <laughs> John, you're, you are one of the mountain people. We yeah. are all the flatlanders. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mountain people are having it especially hard.
4: It's been, I mean, no joke, it's been really rough up there um, for a lot of people. There's
3: so. Widowmakers. Yeah, we had- Do you uh, know what a Widowmaker is?
4: Neighbor told me I think 600 trees came down Do you in you? our area. Yeah. Like, when we're talking- oh, Widowmakers are talking like, like yeah. the
3: branches on yeah. redwoods at fall.
4: And
2: make people widows. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah.
4: But our house specifically, I know some of you asked about this. Um, we have a, we live on a Kings Creek or on the side of a creek, and uh, with a big, we had retaining walls and all that. But uh, long story short, the creek overran its boundaries, and it, um, it uh, basically took out the whole backside of our house. So we are uh,
3: up up to the house, up
4: literally up right to the side of the house. So the creek was running his, right by. His, the house. Well, his backyard it did it was is the creek gone. took out the banks of the creek, and everything collapsed into the creek.
3: Is, is it your backyard side It's yours? gone.
4: It's all but gone. But this is the backyard. Yeah. It's gone. It so fell. we don't know what's going to happen from here. Um, because like the
3: retaining wall fell. Yeah. It's gone. It's,
4: it's gnarly. It is really gnarly. So it's. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. Know. I, honestly, I don't know what's going to happen from here.
3: Is that is that a deck support that is yeah, now deck not supports supported.
4: are not are swinging in the air? Don't, don't go on the deck. No, please don't. So yeah, so we'll see. We might be homeless here in a, few,
3: in a little bit. Because so. we have another. Dude. You say another Damn. storm coming? Yeah. Yeah.
4: Monday's a storm. We're bugging out. I can't. Yeah. I can't stay there again. Put everybody in jeopardy.
3: Yeah. Um, Knock will put you up if you guys need. He's got yeah, plenty I of room.
4: Uh, we could all cuddle together in one bed.
6: A oh, bit. I can, a can, bit. Oh, can I be the big spoon? Knock. You could be. All the spoons.
3: <laughs> Knox is my favorite misfit to cuddle with because he's hairless. <laughs> Most, really? Mostly,
6: only on Tuesdays. <laughs> well,
3: he, he, well, he's like
6: he's like
4: a he's like a giant grape. <laughs> 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 is that, that, that Willy walking? He's more like a hairl- he's a hairless cat, big woman. old yeah. <laughs>
0: it's like a hairless cat, exactly. Well, and actually, since
3: Knox's here. He can defend himself because I was gonna start. I was gonna throw throw out on my list. I have
0: Uh,
3: somebody got rescued this week. Oh, Oh. you know, you know when you get that call from a friend (laughs) and you're like, oh, this is somebody usually calls if they want to like go to dinner, hang out, but then they're they're talking a little bit different. They start with like. So, how are you doing?
1: <laughs> you know a, that a, call? Yeah, I know. Uh, I, I feel Yeah, I got school. that from
3: like So, what you doing? So, uh,
6: here's, here's how this works, Liza. If I'm asking you to go out to dinner and have a conversation, it's a text. Yeah. If I actually call you... It's just you, usually
3: like dinner, question mark.
6: Yeah, and if, it's, if I'm calling you, bring tools and coolant. Or something. When he calls, it's like, this isn't
3: good. I'm like, He's like, how are you doing? So I'm what, like, what, what do broke you down? need? What do you need?
6: Oh, the are
3: ate a reg rec
6: nice you know what a regulator rectifier Rectifier? yeah it was it was about time i was like the thing's got thirty thousand miles on it so and i the thing took a shit on me luckily when i was in town and like less than a mile away from liza but uh previously for the last uh, 20 minutes before i was in the hills just fucking around you know but i got lucky
1: yeah
3: yeah you did he's like i need you to bring an eight millimeter a jumper and a multimeter
6: i
1: i have actually had a jigsaw pull into my shop with the reg rec on, on fire. On fire. Yeah. On fire. That's usually how that works. yeah
3: On fuego.
1: On fuego.
3: <laughs> um, so yeah, it was simple. I just gave him a jumper. So how did you make it all the way home?
6: I made it ninety percent of the way home and <laughs> it like it died. I was like, Am I gonna have to push this fucking oh, thing? No. I was like, nah, let's just wait a second, let the battery level out. And I boosted, jump it, and I just like made it to my house. And uh the whole time I'm thinking, well, now i got to start looking at water pumps now, right? Like, 30,000, 40,000, you're like, eh, let's, let's go to the parts speech and see how much it is. Um,
1: I might be able to help you out. You got a spare pump? I got a spare pump. I got a spare alternator. Ooh. I got a spare reg okay. wreck. Um, I,
6: I wish I would have known. Like, I already
1: ordered one, so it's uh, coming.
6: Everything's already taken apart anyways. Well, but, it's uh, genuine. Yeah. Oh, you got the OEM one? Yeah. Nice. Um, okay. If you're interested, price well, will be right. Thank you. Uh, thanks for the heads up. I might want to buy it for just as a spare okay, okay. Uh, yeah
1: probably a good well idea. I, I mean i'm parting this bike out and it's got a brand new water pump in it
6: oh shit because i
1: i built it uh 05? Oh, i don't know if it'll fit on there what year's yours it's an oh eight maybe oh no i think it's, it's a different motor huh i think yeah yeah yeah, yeah the oh four oh five's like a standalone thing yeah yeah, yeah.
3: So, yeah, not got rescued, but yeah. oh, quick, quickly deduced with the multimeter, it wasn't putting anything out. Yeah. He had the jumper to get him home. It was Robin's one of those off. things
6: that you put the leads on it and you rub the bike. Oh, the battery's going down. <laughs> it's, not, it's not good.
3: But, you know, it was actually a good day for me because that meant that was the third bike of mine I got to ride that day. Uh, I know we're not getting sympathy from a lot of people around yeah. the country because they deal with things like winter, but uh, yesterday I went and rode some bikes. Not long right. rides, but boy, it felt good. What were you on? Well, first I took the uh, 690 Enduro nice. up to Felton to go hang out with um, Mason George, who's going to be our guest next week. Great.
1: Cool. Mason's cool. Kat.
3: And he's a mechanic up there with his own YouTube channel and just went up to...
6: You got a YouTube channel, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody went up there to chit-chat,
3: but mostly... Riding up nine, I had one of those rare occasions. This might be the second time only that I got unobstructed with no cars. I got to ride the entire mm. length without a car. Wow. Mm. And this is a nice twisty road through the Redwoods.
6: Did you go up Rarer Street and all the way
1: to nine? or No, mm-hmm. oh, dude, that's nice. You know, way back when, um, in the very early aughts, um, I worked for Santa Cruz Metro, mm-hmm. which is at the bottom of. Highway Mm 9. And I lived in Felton. And I used to ride. I don't know what that noise is either. I used to ride Highway 9 virtually every day. Mm. And it's it's a very nice road to to ride.
3: Yeah, but there's a lot of... Locals and tourists on that road because it's so pretty so it's rare that you don't get and stuck find a mix car.
1: well because of course the so, locals go slow and the uh, the locals go fast and the tourists go slow and everyone gets frustrated with one another
3: so that was just it yeah. was nice just to go for a nice little ride even though it's just a short ride but twisties then it came back and I still had my boots on so I'm like
0: <laughs> now where am I
3: going to go and honestly I didn't want to go too far because there's still the road conditions are pretty crap. Yeah, there's I, a lot of potholes and road closures, and
6: it's it's a zero sum game. Uh, if somebody's having fun on the motorcycle, somebody else's uh, reg wreck is burning out. Kind of yeah. thing, you know. So,
3: uh, so then I hopped on the Amigo,
2: <laughs> <laughs> Emma's favorite.
3: Yeah, I know. So my little Chinese 125 it's great. clone. And I just took it down the street to the railroad tracks and rode it around the homeless camps.
0: <laughs>
6: nice. <laughs> Classic Santa Cruz.
3: Yeah, and just rode it back there on the dirt and the gravel and, and just had some fun. Just, just acted like a kid. I remember one time Jim and I, when we first got our little electric mini bikes, we're back there ripping around. And we're not bothering anyone, but yeah. some neighbor... Decided to call the cops, and the cop came out and found two adults on mini bikes <laughs> in gear. By the way, yeah, we're
6: being responsible, <laughs> right? right?
3: And he's just shaking his head like, "Oh God, this is this is what I got called for."
0: Yeah, on
3: silent electric mini bikes. By the way, yeah. I know. Wow. So anyway, uh, so that was fun. I'm just ripping around, and then the when I got the call from Knock, I need help. I'm like, "Let's go, bike number three.
6: <laughs> Hopped on
3: the rescue scooter,
6: dude. The it's 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 oh, really cool. Pig. Yeah. It's, it's cool you pulling up on that red Honda scooter going, yeah, that's my rescue boat. That's the fail whale.
3: You well, know, you know, and I, I, I was thinking about, like, my appearances. Because, like, you know, I'm, like, waving at other bikers and giving them, like, the head nod. <laughs> and I've got Icon boots, Husqvarna gloves, a KTM jacket. Yeah. And I'm riding a... a uh, A little Honda Elite scooter.
6: (laughs) Should have a sticker that says my other ride is Austrian or something.
3: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I was more than happy to go rescue. It was just nice to get out and ride in so long.
1: Do not sell that Elite short, because that thing will do 80 miles an hour, and it's absolutely terrifying. I
6: I feel that bike will outlast every motorcycle that comes through this garage.
1: Well, we're actually going (laughs) to get
3: to that a little bit later. Um, A couple more announcements. Uh, unfortunately, because of this weather, as as John is is discovering, there is so much damage. Uh, the sheet iron three hundred got canceled. I, I saw that, and I that is that. a ride that a bunch of us were planning on doing this year. It's really? put on by the Oakland Motorcycle Club. Nice. Yeah, actually, we we're a sponsor of it, and uh, oh shit, okay. yeah, uh, this year. And uh, I was like, yes, time to do it, and. They couldn't get the permit because there's so much of the terrain that is uh, impassable right now.
6: Mm-hmm.
3: So mm. that's canceled.
6: It's not the sheet iron en- enduro anymore. It's the, uh, it's the Erzberg, Northern yeah. California. <laughs> yeah. It's the <a> sheet iron <laughs> <in Ireland. laughs> Yeah.
3: Well, but on another note, our rally, which was supposed to be this weekend, got postponed to next, next month. So April 21st to 23rd. It's still on. Great. Now Hollister, where we're holding it, got jacked. Mm-hmm. Some of the trails that we ride now have like, uh, you know, a river th- across it that wasn't there before and ravines on the trails. Uh, and in fact, there is a landslide on the road to get to Hollister Hills. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. They are working hard at that. But we are still planning on having our rally. We are still all, all in.
6: We keeps it real down here
3: exactly um so april 21st 23rd uh, go to com. it's the misfits rally come join us yeah we're all going to be ready to ride and, and here's a great thing even if a lot of the upper trails still aren't open there's so much good riding around there on the streets on the roads so there's a lot of places to ride yeah i'll yeah. make you a gin and tonic I don't want a gin and tonic. No, but <laughs> anyone
1: who wants to come and ask, I will make them a gin and tonic. There you go. And I might show them my boobies as well because oh. that's how I. No, roll. that's
3: one of the raffle prizes. Oh, that's right. We've got to save that for the raffle. <laughs> oh,
1: <yeah>. no, <laughs> no
6: squeezing, though. Team came, came for the riding, stay, stayed for the boobies.
3: <laughs> it was Emma's
1: peekaboo. Usually how that works. Yeah, Emma's peekaboo. No squeezing.
3: Who's making that? Oh. Arr! Whose phone oh. is going off? Not
1: Emma? Mine, Emma. No,
3: it's not
7: me. It's
4: not I. No. Craig?
2: No, I'm...
1: Oh, yeah, it is. nailed on. Oh, <laughs> oh God, sorry. Figure it out. Wow. Figure it out, bud.
2: Wow. Figure it out. Amateur.
1: Craig was looking quite confident, and no, it's not me. And it was me all along. Well, I've got two phones, because i got my work phone, because I was actually doing Big business. And then, and then the bat phone. Oh, do you
3: have a shoe phone?
1: Uh, yes. You need one. No, I do. I have a shoe phone.
3: Like, like, get smart?
1: No, it's nothing like oh. right the get smart. <laughs> <laughs> it's like this red fucking Agent stiletto.
3: Agent Yeah. Uh, so, Emma, you have an announcement about your trip?
1: Yeah, I do. So, um, the Dolomites trip is pretty much sold out. Um, that's Damn. no surprise. That is the way to go. Castles and Curves, mm. there is one space left. This is the trip of a friggin' lifetime.
6: Wait, you're doing two trips? There's one with you in Canada, yeah. and there's the yeah. Castles and Curves two, one? two both trips
1: back-to-back. And therein God, lies a little bit of the problem, because people thought it was the same trip, but it's two very, But you can very, go on
3: both if you want. They're you back-to-back. can go
1: on both. I mean, you're going to be away for a couple of weeks, but... You're going to be gone for half a month? Is that what you're saying? I'm yeah. going to be gone for half a month. Damn. And then oh, I'm yeah. going to go to Vietnam, Vietnam in the fall. Vietnam. Mm. Um, Castle, go back to Castles and Curves. Castles and Curves. This is a tour. We're basically, we're staying in Germany and Austria for mm-hmm. this one. We're visiting historic castles. We're staying in historic castles. <laughs> we're going somewhere different. Every night, there is an incredible selection of bikes left. There is spaces left in some of the best hotels in Europe. How much is this going to cost you? Less than three grand, dumb cop. It's the best trip you're ever going to have. It really is. You're going to have a great time. Bargain. You're going to see some amazing stuff. It's a bargain, isn't it, eh? Because the hallmark of Lead Escape's Misfit tours is they're affordable. So I mm-hmm. want everyone to be able to afford to go on this. And so for the cost, you know, for the price of a used bike, you can tour Europe on a brand new BMW. And hang out with me and Kat. And we're cool people. Thank True you that. very much. Okay. Sign up. Go to Layout Escapes. And then either of the Misfit Tours. Um, I'm pretty much sure that he has posted the um, Dolomites training tour is sold out now. Mm. If it doesn't say sold out, I can assure you it is. But the Castles and Curves, if you see a space, go for it. How many people are on this trip now? Both um, them, right? The well, Dolomites is twenty. Um, Holy shit! Oh, wow! Oh that's yeah, a crew, man! And then that's, um, that's a hell crew. Castles Wait. and curves. We need to be a little smaller because we're uh, we're more flexible. Oh, naked gym hey. wow. so, hey, The party can start now. Wow. Wow. Man, for
3: off the road. You knock the
1: finger. <laughs> <laughs> Not the first one today. <laughs> it's yeah, a bug covered naked gym. Uh, man. Didn't, yeah, he
5: springs sprung? a
6: little bit.
2: Sorry to interrupt. I'm just passing through. Jake sends her love. Oh, cool. And is doing
6: great. Right awesome. On.
0: I'll let you continue. Soon. All right. All right. Okay. See Cheers, you. Bye, Jim.
6: Bye, Jim. Ciao. See you, buddy. It's like an episode of Seinfeld here. He's <laughs> like, Kramer coming in and saying, Jerry! <laughs> please. <laughs>
0: He's
1: got bugs I in his teeth. So, no, please sign up for it in the Hangout, because I love my misfit friends, and I love hanging out with you all, and um, it's it's a good scene. It's a very, very good scene. You're going to have a good time. Hell, yeah. Yeah. Yeah
3: well I was um I was scrapping for for a topic for tonight and I was like nothing was coming to my mind like all week I've been thinking about it and
1: I suggested a topic, but it was no good yeah, I
3: shot it down yeah um, immediately um and usually on Saturday I'm like creating games and I was like, no I just haven't got anything And I thought, is this going to be the one? Over 500 episodes. And this is the one where I'm like, I got nothing, guys.
1: I got nothing. (laughs) It'll never happen on my watch, Liza. We
3: came up with a bunch of little discussions. We're going to see Mm. how this is going to go. Okay.
1: You mean like how we used to do it? Yes.
3: I'm Kind of like that. So the first one is a question that Mm. John came up with. So I will let him ask this question.
4: So the question is, 10 years from now, when we look back, are we going to think that this right now is the golden age of motorcycling?
3: 10, you mean like 30, 40. No, so be. the question is, is, this right now the golden age of motorcycling?
4: And let me back that up. Why? Let, let, let me explain why. And Ooh. and scooters. We always
3: include scooters in them.
4: Number one, I'll say the internal combustion engine is at its peak right now. Peak it's output, eternal, right? Right. It's It's probably not going to be any better than it is right now because of the move to electric. Could be wrong, could be right. Secondly, you've got amazing motorcycles in just about any segment. So think cruisers, think venture bikes, dirt bikes, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's maybe not as romantic as it was in the 60s and 70s, but in terms of availability of bikes, types of bikes, price of bikes.
3: The prices, I mean, you can for seven $8,000, right. some of the bikes you can get now are pretty amazing, like a Versus or an FZ07 exactly. or MT07, right? Mm-hmm getting really high quality bikes
4: i mean we love the triumph days and the husky days and the cb 750 days and all those but really is this like the best it's gonna be ever yeah that's
6: you know that's actually a good point it's we're like reach peak mechanical efficiency peak reliability or something like that yeah but there's, yeah. there's
1: more to it than that because you you can wax lyrical about how the bikes are great now this this and it's safe and But once you introduce the human element into anything, you know, it goes out the window. And you say things were very, very romantic back then. Here's the barometer that I use. And I'm not getting – and I want to make this clear. I'm not getting confused between being 61 years old and being 17 years old. Mm Mm-hmm. Because, you know, obviously the body you're given at 17 is a very different animal than the one you find yourself with at 61. Hmm. Different species. But <laughs> if someone was to come to me, if if I was to, uh, you know, close up after this show, and bear in mind, I love my life now, and I love all of you, and I love everything about my life right now, but, but if I walked out of that <laughs> door and a fairy godmother appeared and said, you could go back to 1979 with your scruffy JS-1000, I wouldn't even give it a second thought. I would not give it a second thought. I'd abandon every single one of you, everything I know, everything I love, (laughs) and I would just go back there without any hesitation at all. What if you could
4: do that and take your RF 900 with you?
1: And Well, yeah, but these are idle dreams because... I don't know whether I'd want to. I think we need to define what the golden well, age means.
3: I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give this one a shot because I what you described was very personal to you. Right, and exactly. It was and only we've got, you.
1: And we've got to so, be very careful be about objective this. objective about it. Yes. So
3: that's your personal experience. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say though that when we're talking about the golden age, to me, that means more than just the technology and the bikes, but also the culture and community
1: and so i stand so buy
3: it well if you go back to the 1920s 1930s everybody rode men yes. and women it was everybody we've been to sfmc and you go and look at the the group you know the group photos pre-1940s and there was no stigma everybody rode i think it was something for everybody every man rich poor male female i want to say that Right now, I think we are the closest to that, again, in that everybody rides rich, poor, male, female. Hmm. Coupled with the the peak of the technology we're at right now, I think it is a good argument to say this is the Golden Age for all those reasons, and not the 1970s, because women didn't really ride back then, did they? There wasn't community. Oh, there was
1: huge community.
3: Not including all the communities were split uh, yeah it was it was a lot clickier. mods and rockers clubs you Mm. know you got all all different types of cliques it was separate Uh,
6: i feel like there's definitely more communication between people now even though i feel like society's become a little bit more atomized in, in their little respective political niches or whatever but like you go online and you can just learn about bikes. Back then you had to know somebody who knew bikes, you know, and they would give you whatever information they knew, whether it was wrong or right now. You could just do a Google search and learn how to replace a reg rag and all that shit really quickly. I don't know. Uh, it's, it's an interesting point.
3: I, I was going to throw in, that's another thing building off of that. As a mechanic, wrenching, which is a whole other part. The ability to go onto YouTube and have instructions on how to do something has opened the door for a lot of people in
1: Wrenching, too. You've got to be careful. I feel it's never been easier to be a biker. and I use the biker term, you know, in a very broad spectrum. You know, somebody... Motorcyclist, did Motorcyclist. I think it's easier now than it ever has been. Sure. Um, But, you know, it's just that visceral... You had to be there, man. I'm going to have to lend. I'm
2: lending myself a little bit more to Emma as well. I don't know if all this technology and access to information and the bikes being the best they ever have equates to the golden age i mean mm. you think of the golden age of movies i mean technology movie making technology is the best it's ever been they have access to the most amazing does that mean it's the golden age of movies right now i don't think yeah. so
4: no but I mean, we're in, we're in this interesting moment where it's still analog and it's not
2: quite all digital yet
4: yeah. to your point so i you know there's something about that the greatness of the analog being perfected the second thing i'll say is i mean look at this podcast we've got Thousands of people listen to this podcast every year. We've never had those things in the 70s and 80s. There wasn't no way to connect to people across the country, except by reading like Motorcyclist and Cycle and World. And- that
1: side of it's great, but we want to make sure that we're not picky about it. I mean, if you just define quality of life, you know, when I was 17, you know, on a Friday or a Saturday night, you know, you'd ride to the pub, you'd sit outside the pub, it'd be a beautiful, warm, sunny evening, you know, it'd be in the countryside somewhere you know, and, and we all had big bikes. And that's the thing. We were very, very
4: young. Can you say the same thing about Alice's and the scene up there? I mean, it's not an evening drink in a pub, but it's a group of motorcyclists together.
3: Yeah, and I mean, oh, how about just every Sunday here, all the people exactly. show up. Right, exactly.
0: It's the same thing, But yeah.
1: it's, it's like, what? and this is why I'm very, very careful about this is, I was very young and free then. Right, so uh, it's a little different. Yeah. Maybe maybe
6: there is no golden age.
2: Well, I was going to say that's an interesting <laughs> point too, Nock. Because if it's not now, right at this moment, then when was the golden age of motorcycles? Was it nineteen seventy nine when Emma's cruising the those mean streets, or was it well
4: nineteen 19- in twenty thirty five when if California goes through with their ban on internal combustion, are we going to look back and say, damn, it was so great when we could buy? Piston engines Yeah I could like
1: Literally burn yeah. oil
4: Well, yeah, but it, motor. It, It's, it's not like We look at when Two strokes were It's, it's oh, not so
1: go- It's not gonna be Like You can't Ride them anymore You just won't be able To buy a new one Right So now mm. Just as Tad showed up today right. On his RD400 Right There's no ban On Tad riding that thing It's just you can't Buy a new yeah, one Yeah but I want one <laughs> I know <laughs> but, that's yeah, a side yeah I topic. mean they, yeah.
3: They, You don't make new Two strokes But they're still around Let me ask Bagel what is the golden age of scooters? Does it align with motorcycles, or is this a completely different timetable?
5: <clears throat> Jeez. Well, again, I think it really comes down to how you define it. I mean there there was a a golden age of classic motor scooters, uh, you know, from the late fifties through the early sixties. Um, you know, that's
3: which is evident from the styling still today.
5: Right, and just the popularity and and uh-huh. how how iconic it was, how you know how much of an imprint that left on our our society. But um, but in terms of of production, you know, modern scooters are produced in much much larger numbers. But but they're done. Most of them are done so cheaply. You know, like all these scooters coming from China, that it's like it's it's kind of become a disposable thing. <laughs> but isn't that what they said, said
4: about Japanese motorcycles also in the
3: yeah.
5: mid '60s? Well, yes, but what I'm saying is that that I mean, not that people really thought of scooters as uh, as 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 much. <laughs> well, they, they were kind of thought of as disposable just from the beginning, but they they were they were built you know built well enough.
1: Well, you know, of um, course,
5: rockers we call them hair dryers. <laughs> well, so, sure, right, but but it was it was done to a price point and everything. So, and they were cheap. It was cheap, reliable transportation, but. I, Oh, you know, but I. But how do you how do you define a golden age, though? I mean,
3: yeah, height of popularity. I mean, there's a lot of things, but most. I, I just I just had a vision oh, about God. the golden age, which is yeah. yet to come, hmm. and I'm going to pitch that the golden age is going to be in the not too distant future when we take away the constraints of big corporate companies, the constraints of uh it was uh um, um how do you say am- amalgamation was did i say it right
1: amalgamation
3: when we take away the constraints of of production numbers so define and we talk hold on we Can talk about 3d printing <clears throat> custom bikes we talk about on demand we talk about design your and your own bike and print it which we know is coming
1: Because there
3: has been 3D printed bikes. We know that from your friends. I know, but I'm saying I think the golden age will be when we're not being told what's cool, but we get to think it up and create it. And I think that future is not too far off.
4: Except if it's internal combustion.
3: Well, I'm just saying I I think that I see a lot of things coming where we all get to... Build our perfect bike. You can get the parts. I mean, yes, a custom chopper is that, but it is not really designed for function and uh, and value, right?
4: Right.
1: Functions, so here, the- but
3: the future can be, and I think will be. Here's
4: my. I mean, here's my other argument too. At this moment in time, I can go down to Emma's shop on any given day and see a Vincent Black Shadow or a Classic Triumph or a Classic Harley. I can go to the East Coast and go to Wheels Through Time and see 1920 bikes that are running actually, and or I can go see a Zero or a, an Erica or whatever. it is. So we're like in that moment where we can really enjoy the past and, the f- in, in essence, the future at the same time. And, and yeah, I don't know if there's point. ever been a time that we could do that before.
6: That's that's, that's yeah, it's pretty interesting. But yeah, I mean like, like if you're in the 1930s, maybe mid 40s, would you be able to foresee electric drivetrain motorcycles doing what they do now? You know, like.
1: Hmm. Well, I, let's get down to something a little more personal, all right? In this room right now, how many people out of one, two, three, four, five, in this room, you're exempt, Bagel, uh. because you're not in the room, how many could be living their lives as they do now in the 1930s?
2: Would be zero. Hmm.
3: No, sh- well, shut up, white man.
1: No, don't don't necessarily go there, Liza. <laughs> wow. yes. no. the wow. re- Got real here in a minute. The freedoms, <laughs> we're, given, yeah, yeah, yeah. The freedoms we're given here means that we can live our lives in relative safety and dignity as we are. And it's very easy to look back to like the 1930s, yes, more people rode. But I don't think you'd want to live back then, Liza. And I don't think you'd want to live back then, Locke. Probably not. And I certainly wouldn't want to live back then. I'd be uh, running an opium, opium den. Yeah, but
0: but, <laughs> yeah. but well,
3: so me born then might would be different. So I'm just saying Here's another question mm-hmm.
2: to get person well just think of this. So, can you even recognize when you're in the golden age? Because right. so I just go back to movies, the golden age of yeah. movies, the the height of popularity when the well, theaters there were no there were no cell phones, there was nothing that was like what you did on out. Do you think those people during that time could recognize this is it. This is the height. This is the golden age. That's well, that's, my, that's the reason for or, my question. Yeah. It's always a retrospective uh, view. Hold on. Right? That's I, what I'm saying. I, I can so build can up, it I can, even be in the future or can, in the present? I don't even I know. I can further
3: it... define that answer. Right now, we are in the golden age of podcasts. Podcasts that were new that are still unmonitored, unfettered. Right. They're free, mm. right? And we're in this huge Boom now of podcasts. This is the golden age until somebody starts
4: corporates take over.
3: Taking over and restricting and and re- registering and licensing right My now. This is, this is at its height right now. So we are in it
1: right I, now. I can remember when I first heard the word podcast and what I was doing. I was listening to NPR. Mm. and it was on Breath of Fresh Air. Which is like one long podcast. <laughs> yeah, and it was Breath so, of Fresh Air on NPR, and they said the word podcast. And the thing, the point I'm making, it wasn't that long ago. That's true. And I'm like, what this, the hell is this? And they were explaining what a podcast was. Mm. I think it was like...
3: So, so, so did, maybe you can so recognize you can, it. You can recognize, and I think I can recognize it right now um, for that. But I think it's a fair question, and I think it's a question that we can throw out there to our listeners to answer what do they think is it's, the golden age it's
1: going to be a very different answer for different people yeah. and I will quantify that That you know I've, I've spent many years as Reggie Jackson's mechanic and it's something I've never oh
3: he's got a new movie out
1: right and it's something I've never really talked about on the podcast but thanks to frigging Bubba Showbert last <laughs> month uh, last week of course it's out now and I remember having a very, very interesting conversation with Reggie, um, and I was telling him how fascinated I was by American culture in the very early 1960s, kind of sixty, sixty one, sixty two, 61, 62, mm. and how we look back on that mm-hmm. as being a very halcyon time. And Reggie looked me square in the eye and said, no, I don't. Hell yeah. Yeah. no! And <laughs> <your> <laughs> know, way, I'm yeah, I'm Reggie Jackson, and that's <laughs> yeah. that's the a very very defining moment. Yeah, is what's a golden age and a halcyon time for one person isn't necessarily for another, and that's a very very broad brushstroke I used in a very very obtuse way, yeah. but. The scene in England in the late 1970s and very early 80s might be very different to what the scene was in Germany or what the scene was right here in California. Hmm. Um, I mean, to that point, the other thing I'll say is,
4: you know, growing up in this, I could never watch MotoGP. It was just was, you'd have to read about it in a magazine. Right, right. 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 Now you can. I can watch that. I can watch the Erisberg Rodeo. I can watch, I mean, Mm -hmm. everything is available to us right now. So the culture is accessible. And not just the custom cultures accessible and every, in ways that it never was before without, it was very centralized and regional as opposed to international. Yeah, very good.
3: So yeah, send us your emails. Let us know what you think. What is the Golden Agent? Uh, Age are we in it now? Or is it still to come? Yes, it could be different for, for different people. But I think that there's a good argument that we might be in it right now. And part of that is, I, uh, as you said, the peak of the the combustion engine yeah. with the the value and the performance you're getting right now is pretty mm-hmm. amazing.
6: Yeah, I guess there isn't any specific golden age, but like maybe there are certain common attributes of what considered a golden age. Like, yeah. it has accessibility, it has reliability of this, and uh, you know the per, uh, you know, how it's spread through the culture, yada
4: yada. You know what I mean? Like, well, and I think a lot of a lot of folks my age are com- always complain. Oh, it was so much better back in the '60s and '70s and mm-hmm. '80s. I, I think we should just enjoy... This is this could be the best time of motorcycling ever, right now. I yeah. mean, and we're alive, so yeah,
3: <laughs> you know. But. Yeah, for sure. All right, so moving on to our next controversial topic. Now, There's unfortunately no for Nock, he was not here in the garage today, so he doesn't know what this is. Mm. So I'm about to pin him down. Ooh, and this up. is somebody who Rob, baby. does not Let like controversy, happen. and I'm going to predict he's going to try and squirrel out uh-huh. <laughs> of
6: Get my mental but, gymnastics hey, going here. This
3: is um, I'm gonna let you off the hook. Mm-hmm. This is just your opinion, which is personal or regional, mm-hmm. and I will uh, we'll, we'll get to it more. So sure. whatever you say does not mean that you are uh, leaning one way or the other necessarily. Gotcha. So here's my question: Knock, are you a rider or a biker, and and what is the difference between oh.
6: them? Mm. I guess I am a motorcyclist biker in the cultural sense of being an outlaw i've done stuff that's not perfectly legal but i wouldn't consider myself a biker in Mm -hmm. the uh yeah but that was
1: back in your opium then
6: right exactly back in yeah exactly when i was smuggling opium in my crankcase um
3: (laughs) 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 no it's like
6: yeah it's if it's cast as a certain as in a certain way of what a biker is i guess i'm more of a motorcyclist than a biker
3: but i said rider Oh, a rider? Right. What's the difference between a rider and a biker?
6: A rider and a biker? I don't know. This is the fuzzy part where... Which do you identify with? Should we start defining what terms mean? Because no, this I'm is just how... asking
3: you. What do you identify as? A rider or a biker?
6: Oh, I, do, I guess mostly a rider. Mainly okay. because I do focus on being able to ride and perform well on a bike.
3: That's fair enough. For, for,
6: yeah, for a long extended time. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Do you all kind of agree with that? You identify more as a rider, not a biker? See. Emma?
1: Um, I identify as being potato shaped. <laughs> Aren't we all though?
4: <laughs> if everybody's
1: special, nobody's special. You I know, am a potato. I'm, well, I, I take <laughs> exception so, to that. I'm pear-shaped. <laughs> let's 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 go back to Emma's Halcyon days. Mm-hmm. I was very, very proud to call myself a biker back mm-hmm. then. Um, and there was very much the biker uniform, you know, we all wore jeans and black leather jackets, usually with a fringe. And, and we, that's a biker. Right.
6: Well, that's the aesthetic yeah, of a biker, right? right? Not so much the
1: attitude. But you lived it. Yeah, but we lived it. And sure. I was very, very proud of mm-hmm. that. Right. Um, And we rode rain or shine. And riders were very much seen as the guys who commuted on their bikes. who didn't mm. really carry a passion for them in their heart. Mm. And I know I was kind of wrong. Because just because somebody had a humble bike that they commuted on, didn't mean they loved that bike any less than I love mine. Mm, um, that's what you're saying, yeah, yeah. But you know, it was seen. There was something being vanilla about something vanilla about being a rider. It's, it's yeah. kind of like so, oh, he's married and he's got kids at home. <laughs> and he probably listens to the carpenters. And, so, you do know, you still
3: identify as a biker, not a rider? Oh, I'm,
1: oh God, I've mellowed so much in my old age. Oh,
3: so you're, you're, <laughs> so um, I guess you're part, a writer?
1: I feel part of the theme too is like, um,
6: we are constantly changing and developing our identities. Mm-hmm. Yes. And maybe when you're younger, you fit into a certain sector and you realize maybe this is not really me because there are aspects of that I don't enjoy or like. And so you move yourself out of that little niche and group and you realize you're, a little bit more your own person, and you're doing yeah. your own thing, and you know whatever. You find a different group, and then you,
1: you find another group, or whatever. To to be to be fair, in England, um, and it's still the same now. It's very very tribal when you're young, when you're a yeah. teenager. For sure, you've got to be somebody because if you ain't any, if you aren't somebody, you're nobody. Yeah. And so you're a biker, you're a hippie, you're a skinhead, you're mm-hmm. a fucking chav. You know, <laughs> um, chav culture is new, yeah. but it's something you know that you identify with something and it's it's very very important
2: wanker
3: so bagel does the same exist in your world are 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 you all scooterists or are you riders and scooters? is there a difference
5: well i mean there are different sort of subgroups within the scooter world i mean there are, there are still mods out there um there're scooter boys um uh, you know, just all all kinds of different different types of people. Other people who are more just in the, the the history and collecting of them. So it's 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 a it's a mixed bag, really. Yeah. So,
3: what do you do? You think of uh, we always mock about the uh, flip flop wearing college kids. Are they scooterists or are they riders?
6: <laughs> You're trying to get cheap weed, man.
3: That's what's happening. <laughs>
6: Find me some
5: you know good ganja
6: for
3: free. Like, do you differentiate?
0: <laughs>
5: Well, I mean, technically, they are riding scooters, right? So they would be <laughs> considered scooterists. They they're definitely not, for the most part, uh, not people who are interested or even have any knowledge about the culture of of the whole scootering, you know, sub subculture that that exists yeah. out there. So, um, in that sense, they're not scooterists per se, but as riders of scooters, technically. They are scooters of a sort.
3: So I found it interesting um, because I know that this changes, you know, around the world and just even regionally here in the U.S. Um, for me, I think same with you guys. I think it's a regional thing that we think of bikers more likely to be a Harley or cruiser cruiser rider who wears, you know, leather. Right. That's more mm. of a biker and that a rider is somebody who rides sport bikes or any other, you know, as, as a daily rider i mean everything sure but i found interesting so i posted this question on a few different (laughs) groups and like one person said uh well a biker can also be a cyclist (laughs) hell yeah but then someone else yeah get
6: that cardio going so
3: here's another person said um here a biker tends to be narrowed down to the cruiser chopper crowd whereas the other two are less apt to, to instantly be interpreted as such and open to the rest of the demographics avail- available. Mm. Another person said a biker can have negative connotations depending on location. A rider is more neutral. Mm. However, when I type in biker, it brings up the cyclist emoji, the bicycle. Um, another person said I identify as a rider, not a biker. And I find it interesting because people identify as one, not the other. And there are... Some stereotypes or connotations. Uh, this mm. person says, "In France, Harley riders tend to think that they are the only bikers in the world."
0: <laughs> interesting.
3: Um, another person says, "I refer to myself as a biker um, because riders are on bicycles and horses, etc." Hmm.
2: That's an interesting point, right? Yeah. So it's a semantic scheme, of a
3: <clears throat> which is the opposite. And yeah, and here's where it gets interesting. Another person said. I look at passengers as riders and the person in control of the bike as the biker.
1: Yeah. Hmm. There's, there's something in that.
3: Uh, yeah. Um, another person said, does it really matter? It's all the same. hmm. Um, another person said, I never thought about the nuances of biker rider. So I call myself, uh, in, in both ways, but obviously it depends on the location. Um, there was some, some other, let's see, I posted in another group, and it's it's just very interesting. I uh, see rider as a general term um, is what they prefer. Biker brings up stereotype images of an older guy riding a Harley.
1: Mm-hmm. And you know the truth is the only the only thing, and I'm not even going to say it irks me. Yeah. But to me, it's the sign of inexperience. If somebody says they drive a motorcycle? Yeah. I'm going. No, you ride a motorcycle. You ride a bike. You don't drive a bike. Mm. Um. And so if you if you extrapolate that to its purest form, if you ride a motorcycle, then you are a rider. Well, here's someone else
3: said, um, rider rides weekend just for fun. A biker rides because we need to as much as possible.
6: So it's a mental illness.
3: <laughs>
0: Isn't that interesting?
3: <laughs> uh, to me, a cruiser person is always a biker and a rider rides a sport bike. Mm. Um. <laughs> somebody said one showers <laughs> <laughs>
0: I wonder <what> one <laughs> that is. i'm wonder
6: that gonna go with that definition yeah
3: <laughs> i don't see
6: the i don't see
2: this the bicyclist thing though because i think of them as bicyclists or cyclists Ooh. i don't can i don't see the line the blurry line with that right. that's one thing that i'm not
1: according to iggy pop he is the passenger yes that was Wow. Of Iggy pop's most famous So one.
3: biker rider I mean it is kind of interesting I think that some people identify as one or the other and then the other has some more negative uh, connotations to it Yeah but I, I find it interesting how we've kind of developed these these stereotypes. But and then I love the one I, uh, the the bikers on the front, it, and the riders you know on the back. I'm like it, it tells
6: me that like how diverse this community is because like now you're having to introduce terms to separate what's in the community. I mean, I guess that's typical of what humans do is they categorize stuff. But like, uh, yeah, I mean it's it's very diverse, more than most people realize, which is the interesting point, I guess.
3: Yeah, well, for our next segment, I decided to bring back something we haven't done in a while um this is the tell me why segment and oh tell me why.
0: Tell <laughs> why. <laughs> yeah, uh,
3: and so i had also put out a message asked people to send us some but i have do you um, realize
6: how, miss, uh, how much i miss saying that on <laughs> the podcast
3: so um john has one for you let's see it's about the the sound a harley makes yeah so everyone says
4: a harley goes potato 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 yes but I kind of, as an Italian, I think it goes tomato, tomato, tomato.
3: That's not a tell me why, but okay. <laughs> tell I, me why it's
4: not tomato, tomato, tomato. <laughs> there
1: we of, go.
3: Tell me why.
1: Instead of potato, potato, potato. Because because there's a lot of Harleys that are sold in England. And Harley, you could never say Harley goes tomato, tomato, tomato. Oh, potato. Potato. Mm. There's no such word as fucking potato. There's no, no it's there's not. The, well, why That's after a tomato? I can't be a good potato question. Wait, The in, British in, don't have the word in, for in, potato. What the fuck sense? That is a good question. In England,
3: is it potato, potato, no, potato? No, it's
1: potato. Well, why do not we call potato. tomatoes, tomatoes? That doesn't mean we use Because English. Tell me why. But. Zenny <laughs> they, Lee. <laughs> <they're anyway. laughs> <laughs> The English language is really four different languages this all crammed together in a dirty trench coat this trying to be one. That's this why. Yes.
6: You guys I, are a big gangbang of languages. Apparently. All right, I have another one for you. Me. don't know where one starts and <laughs> Yes. At the
1: end. So, Emma, Yes.
3: tell me why. No, it's a, Please. Tell, tell me why. Tell me why. Thank you. <laughs> Honda rebel riders are the furthest thing from a rebel
1: oh god don't
6: cut, <laughs> don't sell them short they're just getting into the motorcycles the illegal stuff comes after okay that's this the, should okay, be the Honda leaves okay, okay. or something not the not the rebels
1: um i think it's a classic case of projection i mean <laughs> honda no i think honda realized they were onto a winner when they made the rebel and in fact for a long, long time, the Honda Rebel was one of the most important bikes in the Honda lineup. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was a world bike. It was very aspirational in a lot of countries, and we regard it as a beginner bike. Um, and I think you know, it's it's a very conservatively made bike, and everyone likes that little touch of naughtiness.
0: Mm. So I think
1: it's a, it's a classic age of production, produ- you know, projection. Honda saying. Gonna call it a rebel because it's little rebellious streak, even if it's implied rather than actually a part of the bike.
2: Sixty six in a sixty five,
1: yeah, that kind of thing. <laughs> what a
7: <You>
1: rebel! we're gonna be rebellious because it says so on the side. But they're great little bikes. <laughs> All right, like, I didn't put the shot. Can, shopping can cart I offer
5: a theory? In. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Uh, what what if it is a a, a sub- subliminal advertising uh, message that is being sent to teenagers whose parents do not want them to ride a motorcycle, mm. but they want to be oh, the yeah. rebel and yeah. ride a rebel? Yeah. Yes. Ah.
3: Okay, I got you another. Anna- your rules, Dad. I got another one for you. <laughs> Tell me why.
4: Tell,
5: Tell me, me
3: why. why. A gear stop at six. Mm. Why aren't there seven speeds, or eight (laughs) speeds?
1: No, there can be as many speeds as you (laughs) want. But why
3: do they stop at six?
1: Real estate, darling. Real estate, it's as simple as that. Mm -hmm. So, if if you're building a racing engine that really has to do ten laps and then it's done, especially if it's a small capacity engine, you could go to... England, Germany in the early 1960s and ride a 50cc Kreidler or an item with 18 forward gears because you needed that many forward gears to make use of this tiny, narrow So power it's a
3: semi-truck of motorcycles?
1: Well, no. I mean, you just, <laughs> beep, 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 you know. Um, however, that's all very well because the gears themselves are very fragile because they were thin. And yeah. of course, you're only putting about five horsepower through them. Now, let's take, Jim was just in here. Let's take Jim's Uh GSX-S1000. 160 horsepower, a lot of horsepower, but still with quite a narrow crankcase. Now, some metallurgists have said to themselves, okay, how narrow can we make these gears Uh before they grenade? And we're going to have to make them so they last about... Fifty to 100,000 miles and so they come up yeah they're going to be about a quarter of an inch wide yep. how wide is the crankcase it is this wide so with the dogs and everything this is how many gears we can reliably fit in famously and you know occasionally i switch to cars for the longest time toyota transmissions the four speed was the one to have because the <coughs> five speed was a lot more fragile because they tried to cram that Mm. extra two gears. Because remember, it's not one gear. It's the main shaft and the counter shaft gear Mm -hmm. in the same space. And it wasn't as reliable as a four-speed. So, six gears. For the longest time, we had to make do with four gears in motorcycling and cars. Mm -hmm. Then, cars up the ante. First production car with five-speed transmission at 125 Mm in 1969 and that was the first production car with a with a five-speed transmission now of course everybody's doing it and then the advantage of a six-speed is you can make make the five-speed fairly close ratio so and then six can almost be an overdrive. Yeah. It can be a very mm-hmm. tall gear. So when you're cruising on the motorway or the freeway and you're chugging along at 90, instead of the engine being at 6,000 RPM and sounding quite biblical in its yelling, you can burr down to 4,000 and well, it's all very nice.
3: To be quite honest, I
1: really appreciated the CB900C 10-speed. Well, that w- that really wasn't a 10-speed. It That was, was a 5-speed. No, it wasn't. <coughs> it like- was. Liza, it was a five right. speed with a high low splitter no. on the back. Yes. No.
3: So it was just like a 10 speed bicycle where you have two gears in the front, five gears in the
1: rear, right? It, no, it was a five speed transmission with a high low split on the shaft. That's what it was.
3: No. Yes. The, the other transmission shifted it. It went 13579 or two, four, six, we're eight, 10. We're just eating
4: popcorn here, the rest
0: of us.
1: No, no, no. It's <laughs> a. F- inside the engine mm-hmm. were 10. Gears, five speed and the counter shaft equivalents. So that's your five speed transmission. Now, on the side where the shaft came out. Uh There was a high low shift. Right. And then you you couldn't shift go high low, high low, high low, high low. You couldn't do that. You right. had a choice between going one, two, three, four, five no. in low, which would be the equivalent of one, three, five, five seven, seven, nine, or
3: two, four, six, eight, ten.
1: But you couldn't do it on the fly.
3: Right. But what you could do, and what I did when I rode mine, when you going up into the twisties, and I'd be in, say, one, three, five, seven, nine, and I'd find that my Gears were not quite tuned to the road and the speed I was on. So I was having to downshift and upshift, downshift and upshift. Then I switched it over to 2468. Now I'm able to just throttle off, throttle on, throttle off yes. because it tuned it to that
1: speed it, and that road. It's really kind of semantics. It was the same well, gears inside the engine doing the same thing. Half a shift.
3: I mean, it but was. But
1: Honda kind of said, well, now we're going gonna- to. It was one three five seven nine and
3: two four six eight. Could ten. you
1: could you go sequential one two three? Four, no, five, no. Six, you, you can had either to go three,
3: one three five seven nine even, or, two, if, or two, no. four, six, It eight. was of
1: conventional five speed oh, okay. yeah. transmission with a high low shift. Then I agree. With, Honda yeah. chose mm-hmm. to call it something different. But Honda had been doing that for years already before the CB900 came out. Uh. The CT70s and the CT90s all had a high-low shift on them. Yes. So it wasn't like a truck where you have a split rear end. No, go, no, yeah. no. It was done at the front. Yeah. And what you had was where the output shaft came out of the engine, mm-hmm. you had a couple of gears, uh-huh. one big and one small. And it had its own little selector fork, and in the CB 900s case, you had a little lever that you could actually operate with your heel if you were clever, hmm. and it just kicked the gears over, and it went kchunk, and then that engaged with the shaft bevel, and so, then it, it, it's. But you couldn't, you couldn't go one low, one high, second right. low, second no. high, third. You couldn't do that. No,
3: no, but you could. Pick which range you wanted to be in for that road you're on.
1: It's a five-speed transmission with a high-low shift,
3: which made it ten speeds. It's the same as a ten-speed bike. You have two and a five. It makes it ten. You just could not go through them in. I mean, technically, there's
4: ten speeds there you can choose from,
3: but not. They were each different.
4: Ten ratios. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm
3: saying. That's what I'm saying. Ten ratios. ratios. So, okay. okay. So the short answer to that is,
6: is physics, man. (laughs) All right. um, Fucking physics.
3: Craig had one. Uh, Do you want to do the suicide shifter one, or should I read it? You can read it. So um, the question is, tell me why.
2: Tell me why. Tell me why.
3: Suicide shifters aren't on the right side. Mm. If it's a suicide shifter, you'd think it'd be on the right side.
6: They don't want to die that hard. (laughs) Just a little bit, right?
1: (laughs) (laughs) She's like trying to wrap her brain around this one. No, I mean, it's... The, the term suicide shift has got nothing to do with which side the transmission is on. It's just the way Harleys shift. You see, suicide shifts appeared on Harleys. Uh-huh. And if you understand where a Harley shifts from...
3: But why is it called a suicide shift?
1: Because you take, you take a hand off, off the handlebar yeah. right. to shift So if you're going
3: to take a hand off the handlebar, the right hand coming off is a suicide. <laughs> that's what I'm saying.
6: You got yeah. well, no, you, you had to cross over?
3: Then they should just call it a stick shift. If you really want the, a suicide shift, put it on the right side. But
1: that's why that's it was funny. called a suicide shift, because you take your hands off yeah. the bar, and it was usually on a modified bike that required yeah. some controlling. And once you understand how Harleys shift and where they shift from, right. you understand why it was where it was. I think
3: the question is more, why are they calling it a suicide? And that ain't a suicide if you're only taking your left hand off.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the real, the hardest one was with the mousetrap clutch as well. Oh, yeah. The because, fo- yeah, because yeah, 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 Harleys for a long, like a long car. time were what's called toe-to-go. Mm-hmm. And toe-to-go was, your clutch was a pedal. And it'd stick anywhere you put your foot. When we see those teams like the Cossacks, the Cossacks mm. can do what they do because they don't have a spring-loaded oh, clutch. You can set your clutch to a certain amount of slip mm. and it'll just stay there. And interesting. So you, you kick your clutch pedal back and it's completely disengaged. And then you push it forward with your toe. And it engages and you go. That's why it's called toe-to-go. But at any point between completely disengaged and completely engaged, you can set it with a certain amount of slip and it'll just stay there. Pers- just take your foot away.
3: Personally, I think a suicide shifter, any of the old British bikes that have the controls reverse, because the first time you go to downshift and you lock up the rear wheel brake, you're I'm, like, I'm done Yeah, I've done that.
0: Too. <laughs> I've done that on a Victor. It was
3: yeah, fun. I, that's suicide shifter.
1: That's, and that's, <coughs> I think if we go back to the beginning of the show in Halcyon days – that's the one thing I am so thankful for about <laughs> yeah. growing up when I did, because I'm completely ambidextrous on bikes. You can yeah. put me on a British bike or a Japanese bike, and I can ride it like that. Even with the traditional shift pattern for a Brit, which is right-hand shift, one up, three down.
0: Mm. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah, the yeah.
1: traditional shift. And a Norton Commando retained that shift right up until the end. One up, three down.
6: That's some racer <clears throat> shit, though, right? Yeah. And push it down for uh all
3: right well we got some more that were sent in knock you have one there that i think you can uh, answer
6: uh not really a tell me why but <laughs> tell me why ish <laughs> from our, our friend ken bryan uh hey, okay kid. i do have a question i know that many of the longtime misfits have made the mistake of growing up and having lives <laughs> <laughs> We just don't hear uh, from Doug, Kat, award-winning Mike, even Knock. Hey! Hey! Th- that much anymore. But here is my question. Uh, are you getting new people showing up at the garage, uh, and why are they not joining the podcast? I love Liza, Emma, Stumpy John, and Naked Jim, but miss the occasional crowded shit show. Ken's <laughs> getting bored of y'all. <laughs> Sorry, you need to well, spice it up and, a little bit quite here. quite rightly, too. It's spicy.
1: You know, funnily enough, we... We had this conversation, I had this conversation with Liza a couple of, earlier this morning. Mm. And we were talking about, you know, why people come and go and how their lives change and Mm -hmm. they get married and they have children and stuff like that. And the fact is that, you know, me and Liza are Peter Pan. We've never grown up. We've (laughs) never, we've never really gotten involved in the trappings of what would be a normal life. I mean, I differ from Liza. Because I'm married, but I have a very unconventional marriage, mm-hmm. to say the least. And I never had children. Liza's never had children. So nope. we, we never kind of grew up. So Craig, we can Craig, throw can ourselves into Any this. children that you know of? No children. <laughs> but to be, and proving my point is you are fairly newly single, are you not, Craig? I am. Oh, so, is that official hey, announcement? Ladies. ladies. There, what are you doing later, Craig? <laughs> is this is there... a tall
4: man. He's tall. <coughs> He's handsome. He's got
6: long legs. He's handsome. Yes, that's right. <laughs> He's got a and, career. Um, and he eats a mean dick. He's got dick. a J-O-B.
0: <laughs> oh!
1: He's been eating dicks all day. <laughs> but, so, my question to you, Craig, is there mm. any link between your newly minted being single and you being able to do the podcast every Sunday? No. Yes. No, like, no, no I, I could do it. But would you want to? <laughs> yeah. Because I have a suspicion that when you were in a could. relationship, no, no. you had better things to play with on a Sunday. <laughs> no, there's no link, because, I mean,
2: maybe a slight, a very, very small yeah. link, but but I would say some people go deeper than others, though, to your point, yeah. if you have kids, um, maybe you have more of a reason to, to not come out and do the podcast, right. but- for me, it would be kind of like you to set that precedent like, this is what I'm passionate about, this is what I do, and whatever yeah. partner you're going to be with it has to be cool with it, or you know, it's a big part of your life. I guess everyone has their priorities, so I guess. Oh, yeah, for sure.
3: But the reality I was going to say is a lot of those people still come around the garage. Yes, the community is still there. Um, but yeah, for a lot of people, there's a time commitment that they're right. having to make to family. And it's, it's, I yeah. mean,
1: and it's not a bad thing. If we use award-winning Mike as an example, you know, Mike runs a very, very successful business. Mm-hmm. And he works extremely hard from very early in the morning until very late at night. And he said, to, look, I'm just going to do this during the week because then the weekend's my time. But he also has very, very young children. Yep. Just um, had a baby. In just had another baby, so given the choice between hanging out with us and doing the podcast and actually seeing his kids while they're young and cute before they turn into nasty teenagers, <laughs> it's really no brainer, right? Yeah, yeah, you know. And I can't blame him, but Mike comes around, but he's just not making that commitment yeah. for for the podcast.
3: Yeah, it's life. Life happens, and but the reality is, I mean, Knox said it himself. He would rather be, like, having dinner with the kid, you know? Yeah. There's things you would rather do. It just gets to a point where, like, this is where you would rather be or not. And your life goes on and changes, and your priorities change, and your hobbies I mean, change, and you'd rather be doing something else. That's so, fine. And there's always room for new people. I mean, Craig is – you've been in and out for a long time, but you're becoming more and more of a fixture and doing events with us. And, like, we are always have uh, – Uh, an open chair there's plenty of chairs in here and sometimes this will be a packed room yeah full and sometimes there's just a couple of us it just depends
0: yeah
6: i mean suffice to say i don't take this these kinds of opportunities for granted you know like it's not every not it it, i get to sit here and talk bullshit for a little bit and get mail and and this is a kind of unique experience and it's nice to know that i could always come back here for it and which is Really, uh, well, it, what's big, I guess.
1: It's very comforting. And it's very, yeah. in a very, very uncertain world, it's very good place for me to be. There you go. Yeah. Um, because the, the, it's very, very stable in here. And everybody knows who I am. And I know who everybody else is. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, I mean, it's almost become habitual.
0: <laughs> yeah. But I don't <laughs>
1: take it for granted. Yeah. Because it is... It's it's a nice environment. Um, It's uh, a garden. It's a garden, right? You got to tend to it. Yeah, exactly. You You got to put in what you get out. But
3: the but here's the what it boils down to, and this is something. um, I've always tried to make this a place people want to be, but it's not a commitment. Yeah, you can come or not come. It's not a job, and as long as I keep making it fun. People tend to come. Yeah. So I feel like it's my responsibility to make it fun and, and enjoyable for people to come. And that's what it comes down to. But the reality is we're quite fortunate that we have this huge pool of people who've come and gone, who've been a part of our community, mm-hmm. uh, from, of our garage. And, and uh, that we always know that there are more. And, yeah, at the garage we have a lot of people coming and hanging out. It's so, like a yeah. beautiful
2: quilt, and stitches yeah, we're, will we're come, fortunate. And, and we're building and making the quilt. And yeah. you yeah. know, whether you've been the fabric of the past, came back.
3: Okay, you or- lost me with the quilt thing, but that's beautiful, man. That's beautiful.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and right. I'm,
4: I'm also surprised about, there's still a lot of people we could bring into this, even just from Santa Cruz. I mean, I'm always running into riders in Santa Cruz. Oh, yeah. Jonathan Woodwell was one of them. He didn't know anything about us until I bumped into him in, in Home Depot, and all of a sudden mm-hmm. he's part of the community. So we yeah. just got to keep telling the story and bringing people in. Yeah.
3: All right, I have another. Tell me why. Tell uh, me, me why. why. Thank you. And this one is from uh, John. Not me. And um, he's uh, Johnny Powell from South Carolina.
6: Hell yeah.
0: He says, Hell yeah.
3: Tell me why. Are desmodromic valves on Ducati engines so much more difficult to perform maintenance oh, on? Oh, God. What would be required for a person of halfway decent mechanical abilities to be able to learn to service their own bike? I've always wanted a Monster 1100, but the Ducati tax has always scared me a bit. I'm sure this has been discussed before, but as a newish listener, there are still 458 episodes I haven't had a chance to listen to yet.
1: So um, let's get into what desmodromic valves are. Um, because it's a very there's a Ducati right behind it's, you. There's a. It's a very, very misunderstood. And another term. one there. So a desmodromic valve goes back to the very, very early days of high revving motorcycle engines, and it was actually, I believe, Mercedes carried the patent for it for mm-hmm. a while. And it basically. Hold on, I'm sorry. What was that word you just said? The patent. 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 Okay. That's British. patent. Is this, is this back to tomato? D- <laughs> yes.
3: Potato, potato, right. whatever? Okay, so,
1: just checking. Um, Mercedes carried the pattern.
3: There it is.
1: Partner for <laughs> Speak it. English. For Speak English. Speak American. Yeah. And so, basically, the way a desmodromic <laughs> valve works is it opens quite conventionally. Um, usually, there's some sort of rocker arrangement, and as the lobe of the cam mm-hmm. bears on the rocker, it presses open the valve. Well, that's all very well and good. Now, in most engines, there's a spring that closes it. Thunk. Now, back in the very early 1950s, when Mercedes were developing this technology, springs weren't exactly great like they are now. And they found that above a certain RPM... It couldn't keep up,
3: right? It couldn't keep up. And you get
1: this thing called valve float. And valve float can be absolutely catastrophic in a high-revving engine. And if engine. you make
3: the spring harder, stronger, now you have to right. compete against that. It, and you're and that, was, that was more of an issue with yeah. push rods,
1: right? And right, 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 exactly. So, desmodromic valve gear negates that by having a positive method of closing the valve. So a completely separate lobe on the camshaft, When the camsha- uh, when the valve is fully open, the closing lobe comes into play, and a fork arrangement, which works on a collar around the valve, closes it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: By using this method, you can get an engine to theoretically rev to stratospheric amounts. Yep.
6: And now, a lot of lift, too.
1: Here we are in 2023, and the truth is, and Ducati owners are not going to like me saying this, the, du- the desmodromic system is obsolete and has been obsolete for many, many years. It doesn't need to be because spring technology now is so good. You could actually make just as much power with conventional dribble springs. The thing is, it's become a very, very niche thing. Ducati and Desmodromic valve gear go together with peanut butter and jelly, just like Kawasaki's a lime green. I'm sure I've told this story before that Kawasaki actually wanted to do away with lime green in the early 1990s. It was old-fashioned. It was old hat. Nobody wanted to do that anymore. Mm -hmm. And the dealers reached out and said, look, this color has become so inextricably linked with our brand. (coughs) If you take away the lime green... you'll decimate sales. And so it is with Ducati and Desmodromic. Since the 1960s, Desmodromic valve gear has been so much of a part of Ducati. It's You can buy conventionally springed Ducatis, but it's all about the Desmo. So, going back to the question, how hard is it? Once you understand what's going on, they're not that hard to set up. The opening... Shims are very, very easy, and in a lot of cases on the two valve engines, all you have to do. There's some of the opening shims are the easiest. You literally pull the rocker aside, pull the shim out, and put the new one on, and that's it. You're done. The closing shims are the ones that cause problem because you have to be absolutely cocksure with your math. Most of the closing shims require a zero clearance. If you have too bigger clearance. You run a risk of dropping the valve if you run a too tight clearance. That can be catastrophic because you could actually destroy the okay. valve. How do you it get more like tighter than zero? Slamming it into the uh, head. It's math, <clears throat> darling. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, it's you—you you can because of minor discrepancies in the closing mm-hmm. cam you might set it up or your math might be wrong and you might be able to force it in. But when you actually do the closing cam, it just destroys the valve. So, Emma. So, basically, what you need to do, uh, an average mechanic (coughs) can set up the valves on a Desmo. I'm not going to go into it now. I could devote an entire history hole to the subject. But you need to understand exactly how the system works, exactly how the system is weak. And make sure you have tons of opening shims and tons of closing shims.
4: So would you suggest a decent home mechanic try this? Yep.
1: Really? Yep. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Because in a lot of ways, if you're a good home mechanic and you understand mechanics, you can devote far more time to it than, say, I can. Mm. If I get a Desmo bike on the ramp, I've already quoted... This is how long it takes me to set up a a Desmo. So you're paying me this amount. I need to get that done so I can get back to the next job. So I'm not going to rush the job, Mm -hmm. but it needs to be done within a certain time or I'm not going to be able to keep the doors of my business open. If it was my bike... Especially if we live in a place where, you know, winter's a little longer. You can take weeks to do this thing and it really doesn't matter. Ah. Take your time. Understand what is happening. Yeah. You know, understand that when you turn the piston to top dead center, you can actually drop the closing shims out of an engine. And the valve won't drop into the combustion chamber. It'll just go and sit on top of the piston Mm -hmm. while you do your Uh. shim changing. Yep. Good workshop manual, opening shims, closing shims, and a complete understanding. That's the key. Anyone can read a sentence, but reading a sentence is only half of the thing. You have to understand the sentence. All right. So
6: yeah, oh sorry. One more yeah. thing. I think I feel like the the more goofy aspect of doing the Desmo is actually the belt thing, where you have to flick it and it has to be at a certain frequency for the
1: tension.
7: Oh yeah, the whole I fucking, mean you know Ducati the very
1: Italian thing. Ducati make a very very big deal about the harmonics of the belt. Yeah. Um. The truth is, you can set them up without the harmonics. Yeah. What I recommend for people to do is again is understand the mechanics of it. For a long time, we'd do belts at Ducati, and you take your longest run. And mm-hmm. if you could just turn it through 90 degrees, then that's the perfect tension on the longest run. Mm-hmm. And if you do the harmonics and then try and turn it through 90 degrees, it works out about the same thing. So yeah.
3: does it help to have a harmonica for this? You it can. Okay. Because you can entertain piano. yourself.
1: Middle C. Bing!
3: <laughs> Middle <Yeah. laughs> C? Um, Bagel, you have a tell me why that I sent you. Can tell you- me why? why. I do. <laughs> Craig's got it locked and loaded.
5: <laughs> hmm. Okay. So this one is titled, Can You Ride What You Can't Pronounce? No,
3: that's their email for later. There's a tell oh. me why. That I sent you. Oh, tell,
5: okay, me yes, why. tell me why. <laughs> there it is. Okay. <laughs> uh, and uh, this is um, it says good afternoon. Uh, we have this is from Lynn Biggs, by the way.
1: Yeah. Hello, Lynn says, Biggs. She was on our show.
5: Ah, yes. She says, We have two questions. Uh, okay. My question why can my husband go 80 miles per hour in a curve and I can only go like 40? Is it strength, skill, experience, guts? Yes.
3: So can I can I take this one?
5: Of course well, you can on the bike. I
3: I do believe that part of it is strength cuz I've ridden mostly with like guys and I remember riding behind mm. a friend and watching him make no effort into the turns and I was having to make a lot of effort and using my body and my legs Wait, hold on and my hips, hold on. And I think it's because men have more upper strength that they're applying to the bars and women are using more of their lower body to uh, achieve the Craig same Craig thing, no. you what say no, but I'm just saying. <laughs>
6: what bikes were
1: you on?
3: I don't know. I was probably on my Ducati, uh-huh. and he was on maybe an FC one.
1: Well, we we no. have a professional instructor. But I, here. I mean,
3: I have watched. I've ridden behind a lot of guys, and I remember just watching like people look like they're barely moving, and they're going in the turns, and I'm having to really work harder. So I thought it. I think upper strength for men does play in part to that. Craig says no.
2: Less is more. You don't. You were just fighting the bike a little bit more. You want to. You don't need very much strength, and um, the strength of a woman or man is irrelevant for this question. There it is. It does not have to do with strength. It has to do with confidence, technique. Yeah, but not strength.
1: Well,
4: let me. Let me ask a question. Is understand the question? How come we're not seeing more women at higher level of racing? Then, if that's the case, there are. Not, not, not at GP level. Not at GP level. Not at. I mean, I think that's. A I think cult- there are wonderful women racers. It, out there. That, no, a that's, lot, that's, lot, that's, that's, that. out, that's that. a cultural <laughs> issue. <laughs> is yeah. it cultural? Yeah, yes. I,
6: it's. I, I feel like it's one hundred percent cultural. I mean, because boys do bike stuff, girls don't do bike stuff. That's I feel like a good eight, maybe eighty to ninety percent of his.
2: I'm not going to say there's zero amount of strength that's well, involved when you're at the highest levels of oh, racing, yeah. but she's no, talking totally about counts. a corner from forty versus eighty. Yes, strength certainly plays in the highest levels of racing in the world.
4: Yeah, that, there's that's a minimum.
6: Yeah, there's a minimum level of strength required to turn a bar
5: at speed for sure. There's probably you other factors to
4: too, like bike setup versus weight.
5: You know, right. and that uh, that depends highly on the bike as well. Yep,
3: I still think I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I still think that men's upper body strength does have a part in it.
6: If it, yeah. if there is, it's a very very negligible. Yeah, literally. but when
3: you were riding at you know uh, higher speeds and really pushing it, that does come into effect. Uh, Not on know, daily man. daily day to day riding. No, you wouldn't.
0: It it is, you know, it's no, it's
4: true. You think about most. Professional racers—they're they're little people. I mean, they're what five foot seven, okay, five foot look, eight, one hundred and forty pounds. Yeah, that's all all thing. things
6: being equal, if no. you're a rider and you are on the same bike and you weigh the same amount and you're going at the same speed in the corner, it's probably going to take you the same amount of force to turn that bike. Doesn't and do you have the lower limit to be able to turn that bar? I think that's what it is, and I think a lot of it too is like there's a perception about dudes being more aggressive. That women can't do it because they're not as, quote, unquote, as aggressive, uh, you know. It's- but
3: I will agree because she also listed uh, skill and experience. I think those two have a greater effect on it.
6: Oh, absolutely. I'm
3: just saying yeah. if skill and experience is the same, I do think that the strength does have a part in it, too. But uh, the the strength or the the, the technique and, and guts, that has a bigger part of it. I agree. Mm. Um, but there's a second part to that, Bagel.
5: There is. Uh, this is her husband's question. Okay. Uh, he asks, why do Japanese bikes seem to need three Allen bolts to attach a part to a motorcycle and a British bike requires like 16 of different types <laughs> Allen, <laughs> Allen hex torques to attach the same and part. Worth <laughs> you know we love our triumphs. We have four. Also, apologize to, to Liza if I used the wrong terminology. No, you used the, the right thanks.
3: terminology.
5: Uh, what is that? What is that joke about how uh, in in hell the the
6: mechanics are British and the the <laughs> the chefs are Italian or something like that?
1: <laughs> like,
3: what? And no yeah. I, nobody knows <laughs> what you're talking <laughs> we, about you
1: now. So, you've, so, you've offended two of us I mean, exactly. Yeah, surely you mean <laughs> the one that. In heaven, in heaven, in heaven, the police are English. There you go. The yeah. chefs are English. The poli- the, the lovers are, are the lovers are friends. English. The mechanics are English. <laughs> <laughs> that one? Um, maybe I, I might have misheard it. <laughs> the answer is very, very simple. And we're not talking about modern Triumphs here because modern Triumphs are built very much along the line of modern Japanese bikes. We're talking about vintage Triumphs. Mm -hmm. It's technology, pure and simple. The machines themselves and the machines that made the machines were a lot less technologically advanced. In order to get a mating surface on an English bike, you had to have a lot more fasteners on a certain length to get the thing to hold oil, which sometimes it did and sometimes it didn't. Um, Japanese bikes, the Japanese manufacturers always were never shy about investing money in technology and not just of the bikes of the production line. Well, but why did it have to be 16 different but I think, types?
3: I think metallurgy is going to come into this too and casting.
2: Yeah.
1: Right. And there's a yeah. lot of things. Yeah. And the thing you've got to remember, and it's a lot of it's, a difference between America and England. We're not talking about Japan and England, but let's talk about America and England. And I'm not counting Native American culture. If you talk about non-Native American culture in America, everything's less than 300 years old, right? Mm-hmm. Everything. Approximately, yeah. More or less. In England, it goes back thousands of years. So now let's make that same analogy with motorcycles with Japanese and English bikes. Japanese bikes, their research and development is we'll run a bike for 10 years, completely end it, and then start something new. So the majority of stuff you're riding is no more than 10 years old in design. Mm-hmm. British bikes, some of the designs, and American bikes are the same way too, like Sportsters, go back to the very earliest days of motorcycling. And the same with the cars. You know I love my Jags. You know on a Jag, you have Whitworth fasteners and AF fasteners and metric (laughs) fasteners on the same car.
4: That's crazy. Ridiculous. Yeah.
3: Well, you get that on some um, American uh, trucks now. We'll right. Some metric and some American. Well, it,
1: well my Isuzu, King yeah. Kong, is a Japanese truck with an American engine mm-hmm. with Japanese and European stuff bolted onto the engine. So the engine itself is American fasteners, but the AC unit, which is, I think, German, is Bosch, is metric. um the fuel injection is japanese which is metric so you know it's it's british bikes some of the components on a british bike remain unchanged since the 1950s and the 1960s and so it may be whitworth it may be a cycle thread 28 tpi cycle thread Hmm. um it may be a af maybe metric
3: I wanted to give a shout out to KTM on this subject. Emma. Yes. What size fasteners or what size wrenches do you use on a KTM? What range? How many different
1: wrenches? All the stars. Oh, very, very few. Yeah. Very, very few. What they
3: do is they reduce the head down to an eight. Mm -hmm. So many of the screws are a torx inside or on the outside is a eight. Hex, regardless of the bolt, mm-hmm. and very few tools.
1: However, throughout the, the bike. Fall and you've fallen foul of this yourself. The big problem with that system is you need to be cocksure of what torque setting that bolt is, mm-hmm. because it may have the same head as a high torque bolt, and the amount of KTM's out there that somebody has stripped the thread for the oil lines or the oil filter cover, because they're like, oh, it's the same size head as the high torque. Don't change the torque wrench down, and it's instead of eight foot pounds, they're kind of cranking it up to 20, and oh, strip the thread.
3: But I still give them credit, compared to what they're saying about having so many different fasteners. They reduce the amount of tools needed on that.
1: And, you know, it's just a case of thinking it through. Harley-Davidson, for a long time... If you wanted to pull the primary case off a of Harley Davidson Sportster out of, I think, the 15 bolts that held it on, <laughs> there were 10 of them that were different lengths right. and not by a, sm- by a large amount. Yeah. And Harley have gone a long way now to making sure that everything's the same length so you can't bottom it out or strip it out. Mm-hmm.
3: Well, all I know is in the future when I build my, my, uh, my printed bike, it's only going to have six by 30 bolts on the entire thing. Very good. Uh Craig, you got uh one there. Pick one of those to read.
2: Tell me why? Tell, Tell me, me why, why you this is from our friend John. Hey John. Johnny. I was in an advanced motorcycle training class. Oh, okay. 3 Harley-Davidsons and my Yamaha fj 9 Okay. Mm. The instructor said I did better because I had a quote sport bike. <laughs> I think mm. it was because I practice regularly. Oh. One I think thing so. I noticed when we lined the bikes up, at least one of them had what I think was a 19-inch front wheel. Mm. I know why they put bigger wheels on off-road and adventure bikes, but tell me why <laughs> does Harley put a bigger front wheel on a bike that would be hopeless off-road?
3: Well, that's kind of... And you were just handling that chopper with a big front wheel. Well,
1: that would have the 21-inch. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about what's a big front wheel and not what's not is, a, big a big front wheel. Is 19
3: a big front wheel?
1: I don't think so. Okay. But I'm old enough to remember when that was the norm. Mm -hmm. Um, 1790, right? No, 1780. 1918. 19 (laughs) 19 front, 18 rear. Mm -hmm. For the longest time. 750 Honda, 1918. uh, Z1, 1918. H2, 1818. You know, it was the 19-inch front hoop was the standard. Now, what I can tell you about Harley's is Harley have made a very, very good look living making traditional style bikes. Can we agree on that? Very yes. good. Now, Heritage Softail is probably one of their most retro style bikes. That's got sixteen inch wheels front and back, just like the old hydroglides and electroglides of the day. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about the one with the 19 inch front wheel. And in my opinion, that's one of the important. Now, that's a chopper, isn't it, darling? Yes. But the 19 inch front hoop goes back to what, in my opinion, is one of the equally important bikes of Harley's heritage, and that's the Super Glide. Now, the Super Glide has the distinction of being the very first factory custom. And when I say that, I mean. The manufacturer actually listened to the consumer and said, this is what they want, and we're going to build it. So the Superglide was the answer. It really was a factory chopper. okay? And it carried a 19-inch hoop. Because back in the day, what the guys were doing, yeah, there were a lot of guys making them with 21-inch front wheels, because that's a very, very pure look. But they handle like hell.
3: Except on all of our dirt-capable bikes. You need to have that.
1: But on the street, a lot of the chopper guys back in the day was using a 19-inch front hoop. Where do you think they might have got those from? All the British bikes Mm. being ridden around. So that's why even now, like the newer Harleys, still carry a 19-inch front hoop, which to me is not a big wheel. On... For street application, you don't need a 21. You really don't. If you're riding off-road, you You need a 21. But to have a 21 on a purely road bike, it's just for aesthetic reasons. You can't argue with me Mm -hmm. that there's any real advantage. You know, it's going to roll a little slower. But unfortunately, usually the style dictates, if you've got a skinny 21 on the front, going to have this big fat 16 on the rear. And uh, handling is going to be a bit of a challenge. So right. uh, he's kind of half-answered. I think
3: we have time for one more. Emma, pick one on that sheet.
1: Okay. Um, tell me why. Tell, tell me why. why. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I can't recall if you've addressed this before in okay. a podcast, but I think many of us senior riders... Hold this in the back Mm. of our minds. Mm. When does one know when it's time to hand over the keys? Oh, this one's going to be easy. That's a tough one. This would be asked by the Mika granny, (laughs) not wishing for her last breath to to utter, oh shit, straddling her beloved bike. I Mm. think that'd be a perfect way to go. Sign me as a senior woman, 70, who goes to the gym, pumps iron, runs several miles at a stretch, still with a very long bucket list still. Mm. So um, and that just comes from B so um,
6: that's an interesting question it is an
1: interesting question and it's going to vary tremendously from person to person Yeah, I remember um, a doctor my GP actually told me um, and um, we used to have some very interesting existential conversations and he said I vividly remember one of my patients coming to me and saying you know I forgot where I put my car keys. Do you think I'm beginning to get Alzheimer's? Hmm. And his answer was, if you forget your car keys, you probably don't have Alzheimer's. If you forget what the car keys do, oh. that might be time to start thinking about it. Mm.
3: So I have an answer to this. That's, a, that's um, a good one. And there's a whole industry because of this and i think people get to a point where they're not as strong as they were and holding up a bike regardless how big or heavy that bike is can be hard for some people you know a a little cruiser like a savage 650 can be heavy for them right um that's why there are companies that create those outrigger wheels for people who aren't comfortable holding their bike up anymore. It's something as simple as coming to a stop sign and putting your foot down. If you're riding a big Harley, you get to a point you just don't have that strength anymore. And so the mm-hmm. risk of going out and dropping your bike gets greater. So these outriggers come out when you're going slow and they support you and you keep going on as opposed to riding a trike <laughs> or a Can-Am or something. So I think for a lot of people that time comes when the risk-reward has flipped, right? And that risk might be something as simple as dropping the bike at a stop sign, not right. necessarily getting hit by a car.
0: Yeah.
3: It's when you dread the risk. Of going out on the road. For whatever reason that is. But you get to a point where you're not going out and riding in the rain like you used to. You're not doing a long ride like you
0: used to. And you
1: just keep... And it's funny for me as I get older, I'm a lot less comfortable riding on my own now than I used to be. I like being in a small group because I like having kindred spirits around me. Buddy
6: systems. Yeah, it's buddy systems.
1: You know, back when I was younger... I was, you know, I'd just jump on my bike and just oh, yeah, know, for sure. ride halfway around the country on my own without without a thought about it. But now you think, you know, especially if you're on some of those lonely roads, you know, I remember riding 198 from Pinnacles all the way over to the Central Valley to Coalinga. Mm-hmm. And I was like, if I wrecked this bike on a turn and went into a ditch, I could lie here for days. Days. Yeah, no one, no one would find you. For sure. No one would even know. Yeah, no. and you know things like that start playing up. I mean, inherently, as we get older, we tend to get a little more, little more cautious as we get closer to our maker.
3: So, I wanted to ask Bagel this question because that reason I just stated because you're old, heavy Bagel isn't necessarily <laughs> in play as much with scooterists. So, Bagel, what makes mm-hmm. a scooterist uh, put up the keys?
5: I mean, I think it's, it's the same for any rider is, you know, it it comes down to whether you trust yourself with riding that bike, uh, still, you know, because as you get older and, and your, you know, your, your reaction time decreases and Mm, and your skills decrease, you know, you might feel like, like you're not able to control that bike as as good as you used to. And, um, you know, for people who I've known who you know, were getting up in years, you know, that's that's kind of been their decision uh, point, was that when when they felt like they weren't able to control the bike, uh, like the, like they felt like they should, that's when they decided they wanted to hang it up.
1: So here's hmm. a question for you, Bagel. And I know you own both, which is why I'm asking you. As you get older, would you see yourself finding... A bike like your GTS 300 with sharp brakes, very sharp power delivery, but completely automatic transmission becoming more of a handful than, say, the Heinkel behind you, which is manual transmission with marginal brakes. But everything's just that bit more mellow and softer. Which one could Um, you see yourself riding more easily as a senior bagel?
5: Oh, I, I think the GTS rides a whole lot easier. Um, I mean, the the Heinkel is is that it's a simpler machine, but it is a handful uh, in terms of, especially with the way the shifter works. It is it, it's it's an acquired skill to right. to shift smoothly, and and you really need to be you know you need to be in practice to do it well. And I noticed that when I don't ride it very often, I when I go to ride it again. I, you know, my shifting is pretty sloppy and I need to get back into it. Very good. Um, You know, so, but the GTS, you know, it's, it's, it's
1: all very standard, very simple, very predictable. Um, And the only reason I brought up the Heinkel, because looking at it, if you were to paint that in plaid, it would look just like a pair of old man slippers. (laughs) (laughs) It's that shape. It is the shape of an old man's (laughs) slipper. Yep.
3: so another thing a factor that comes in that i wanted to point out because i I face this with my africa twin right now and that is where you park right and getting it in and out for some people
0: oh, like for yeah. me
3: backing my africa twin out of where it lives it's a risk it's i had to struggle to pull it out um so for some people it might just be maneuvering it within their home if they don't have a place, you know, getting in and out. Yeah. That might uh, be a deal breaker. I there. feel
6: like at that point yeah. you start imagining like, maybe I should get a lighter bike and it progresses to like, This is the lightest bike I got, and it's still too heavy for me. And what what do you think? Yeah. Yeah. How do you – yeah, what's the uh, criteria, you know? It's always ever-changing, I guess, the way you get Well,
2: that's a good point. My dad's 74, 75, rides like five days a week with my mom on the back. They're Mm going out multiple times a week still, and I was just facing myself with the same question. Not like it would be my call, but it's interesting that we got that from one of our listeners Mm -hmm. because – I was thinking, like, when is it going to be? When he, Willie might call, but then he just and he used to have big bikes the whole time, and then he just bought that same thing, a three ten GS, mm-hmm. yeah. and he is riding it like every day. He loves it because yeah. it's so light. He's used yeah. to something so heavy, so maybe that's the answer. Maybe it's not a black or white hang it up. Maybe it's just get something a little. All
4: right. I think it all depends on if you're if you're feeling unsure and nervous. And you know, th- yeah. then you probably should not ride.
6: Is it yeah? Is it the Hunter S. Thompson way mm-hmm. where you're getting shot out of a tube, or do you want to get yourself squeezed out? Exactly. I think I think like for the duration <laughs> of uh, being able to do this, the rest of my life, I think getting squeezed out doesn't seem like a bad option. You know.
3: Well, for our next segment, I realize we're going to run out of time, so we're not going to get to everyone. So I'm going to start with mine because I have a decree that I thought of. Um, a decree is, uh, is basically an announcement, a position I am taking that may go against the, the norm. And my <laughs> decree is that my Honda Elite 250 is the best scooter ever built. I'm okay with that. Now I'm going to tell you why, and I know Bagels over there tilting his head yeah. like, "Oh, he's, he's going." Oh, Bagels no. like, oh, "Suck
0: yeah, my dick, no,
3: <laughs> fuck you." He's going. He's oh, going
4: he's going
2: to come. That not happy right now. Bagels he's not happy with you.
3: <laughs> and I'm going to tell you why. So tell that me why <laughs> <I love it>. <laughs> <laughs> that scooter is a <laughs> 1987 scooter v. that I got from Emma with. 850 miles years ago. Yes. Uh, Had hardly ever been ridden. Yes. Um, Damn. And I got it and I'm using it like it's supposed to be used. Yes. I ride it around town. I go rescue, knock. I go. I took that thing
6: to the doctors to get x rayed and that's pretty fucking awesome.
3: It's just, it's a great, (laughs) it's great for what it is. Uh, Sometimes I'll go to the store. This morning I took it to go get some breakfast before I open the garage. It's my get around town little go getter. And yes, with very little maintenance, <laughs> very <Yes>. little maintenance, <laughs> it just starts and goes every time. But this is a 1987 bike. If I had a, a 1987 Honda, I'd be replacing electronic components. I'd be replacing fuel lines. I'd be replacing brakes. I'd be replacing stuff. It would not be as reliable As this bike has been, and I think it's because it's a Honda, it's simple, it's well-built, it is reliable, it is unkillable. Therefore, I think it has withstood the test of time and proven itself to be an exceptional machine. Mm. Sure. Bagel, what say
5: you? I I think it is a good bike. (gasps) Oh! (laughs) (laughs) Oh! I I I don't want to disparage it in any way because do you it have is, one bagel?
6: But <laughs> no, no, no. I, I do but, not
5: have no. one.
0: But For those I will reasons. say
5: I will say that back in the day when when you know I was getting into scooters and was into the you know classic European scooters mm. and I was looking at the modern Japanese bikes the Yamahas and Hondas that were mm-hmm. out in those days that Elite two fifty was the one that I thought if I was going to buy a modern Japanese scooter that is the one that I would get. Mm. You don't have any Japanese so, scooters, do you? I do not. Damn, bro.
1: They're they're below no. him. He doesn't have any Lambrettas no, either. Just,
6: well, you should get you should get at least one like Japanese scooter. I I, just, just I to know, round actually, out the I collection.
5: Love, I, I would love to have an Elite One Fifty Deluxe with the pop up headlight. The, that there you go. So cool.
3: There you go. Yeah.
5: <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll, so, we'll see someday. Okay, yeah.
3: I, we have time. I think we can do one more. Which one of you wants to do your decree? Oh, I'll do mine. Is that
1: and yeah? You guys can save it.
3: yours because I think these decrees are a big deal. Emma. What is your decree?
1: <laughs> I think the RF900 is one of the best-looking sport bikes ever made. No, no, mm. not one of. Okay, I think the RF900 is the best-looking sport bike ever made. <laughs> Bollocks. And I, I am going to tell you why. There's oh a lot of models around you here we can look at. No, just hold on. Do we yeah. have an RF around here?
6: Rationalize mm. your uh, I think I need to see stadium. one, yeah. one I of these think
1: we can do de- we we were talking about the golden age of That's it. the closest. We were talking about the golden age of motorcycling
0: mm-hmm.
1: earlier on in the show. And I think everyone can agree the golden age of sport bikes was the 90s. It was absolutely yeah. the golden okay. Okay. age for I don't styling. Know about that. Okay. For styling, yeah, I don't know. we're, we're talking <laughs> about <laughs> styling here, Nock. All right. All right. Well, okay. And so <laughs> When we consider that, so we've got this, this window from, say, 89 to 99. And everything kind of looks mm. similar except the RF900. There is nothing on right. the road that looks like that. Right. By Craig's Googling When it. you see one in the flesh... It looks like nothing else. I'll show you a picture of mine. Uh, I'm going to say the Britain is a better looking bike. It's the Britain's not a sport bike. It's a race bike. It
3: is a sport
1: It's a bike. racing... It is a
3: sport bike.
1: Where are its lights? doesn't need lights. It's a racing bike. It, it still is mm. a sport bike. If we're talking about racing bikes, like bikes are, or sport the bikes. best looking racing bike ever made was the Norton F1. Hmm. By the long chalk.
3: Now, I, I will... Best agree sounding,
1: best sounding racing bike. The made.
3: RF is a good looking bike. I like the louvers on it. It's got a good ass. But the uh, what's the um, the V
1: F four kind of looked like that? Uh, oh, it's losers. better looking bike than the RF. I and, and I'll okay. tell you how but I'm gonna. No, no, okay, no. I'm
2: gonna name two that are better. Okay. Both penned by Massimo Tamburini. Yeah. The yeah. MV Agusta F four.
3: That's the one I was just thinking yeah. of. The, the, the ass Duke. on that thing, dad ass.
2: Dad ass. Oh, ho, ho, ho. And it's a one trick pony. It's and a one trick pony. Okay. Well, how about the nine one six?
1: Never been mm. a fan. Never been a fan of the 916. That's a 746. Never been a fan of the 916. See, you've got to define good looking. If we go, if we use the actress standpoint, okay, can we all agree that Farrah Fawcett was a beautiful actress? Yes. Mm -hmm. Sure. Tell you what, so was Karen Black. And Karen Black was not heard Karen Black. <laughs> Karen Black was not what you'd call conventional looking.
3: Um I know I know you'll disagree. I think the GPZ eleven hundred is better looking. That's my opinion. Wait the Batmobile?
6: Yeah. Dude, Karen Black's <laughs> the smoke show. Those old However, photos are damn.
3: I you know what? I will agree it is it is a good looking bike. I think we all grimace when you say it is the best, but I don't know that anyone has provided yet an example of something that we all agree is better. Right. And I'm searching.
1: And I'm the, searching and around I the room. Will, I will stick my neck out. There is no way mm. you could describe the Britain as a sport bike. It is a racing bike. And there are great-looking racing bikes, of which the Norton F1 is just
0: you know, what? And, 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 know,
1: and and
3: and I'll say that the Ducati is known to be a beautiful sport bike. And I'm looking around the room at all these Ducati models, and I'm like, they all look the same. That
6: are kind of uh, all
1: look the same. So define beauty. In my but the, but the I'm going to say the the F4. Part of the beauty, the bike. F4 is a great oh. looking bike, but is a one trick pony. When you take away those tailpipes, it's oh, got nothing. Ass. It's got nothing,
3: and it has to be the uh, the square. Not I, the round. I don't know
6: the the R Honda R VFR four hundred R is pretty hot. Um, it's the single sided swing arm. Captain, no, American I'm going.
3: I'm going to go to the to the expert here. Bagel, do you agree or disagree with her?
5: Uh, I, I I'm not familiar enough <laughs> to say. Okay, okay.
3: Um, I I think tell it- what tell you what. Yes. Let's let our listeners be the judge here how about that yeah sure yeah because I think- I, i'm gonna say you've made a compelling argument and i'm none of us are coming up with something that is above and beyond better um what oh, is no. that blue bike behind your head the
6: there? rc45 is pretty hot though what is that blue bike You might want to check that out
1: Oh, that's an NR 750. And an NR you know, is 750 is a good-looking bike. The weird bike too.
6: engine, oval the, pistons. Oval yeah, pistons. it's the
1: oval piston engine. That's a good-looking bike. It is a great-looking bike, but you know what? Yeah, and there's it's, another one. It's there. got a peculiar ass, and <laughs> I love I like NRs. That. And there are some angles on an NR <coughs> that work better than others, and it's by far my favorite bike. All right, so let's let the listeners.
3: Let us know what you think <coughs> if you and take a look at the Suzuki RF nine hundred and make sure it's and, in a good color. Like and if it, the you think, yellow. One, yeah. if you think that there is a bike that is better looking than that, send me an email with that picture to say Emma. Say Emma, you're wrong, and send
1: it to <laughs> motorcyclesandmisfits gmail dot com. Yes, yeah, not a racing bike, not a cruiser. So,
4: fairing sport bike or even even a non street bike uh, like a I, I,
0: you know a you know street
3: sport bike All right bike. all right hold on and I know this is not the same category at all but I will say I think that that adventure Honda adventure scooter is better looking than the RF900
0: <laughs> the XADV oh,
3: I mean that's a good looking bike
1: I'm kind of on board that I like it for the same reason I like the RF there is nothing like it and that's part of my argument for okay. the RF. It was the golden age of styling for sport bikes, and it just was unlike right. anything else. But it didn't sell, though.
0: All right, it doesn't all right, matter. All right. Katanas didn't well, sell
1: any, any either, and they were, were masterpieces. Oh.
3: Let's hear from from our listeners what they really think. While well give you uh, us
6: your two cents please?
3: yeah give us your two cents but let's get we got a couple emails to read john uh, we you still have doing one emails holy Black shit purple well the other ones were the tell me whys. now ah, these are regular emails
4: ah, these are regular emails all right <laughs> okay this is from patty from nj hey patty, okay. patty. patty. patty's an old friend um i miss fits <laughs> <laughs> you missed the michelin star of motorcycle restaurants <gasps> okay. the adventure bike
3: yeah yeah for cooking on your motorcycle
4: they are comfortable uh-huh. and always ready to make your day more comfortable the aluminum boxes are your oyster. The top box can be heated. Use that camping gear. Oh, that's true. On you could on the aluminum boxes, you could throw like a st- Sterno thing in there. Mm-hmm. never thought about that. <laughs> <laughs> you miss us. We've had the whole like, thing on cooking pancakes. meals on your bike. You can make okay. pancakes and everything on that then. Pardon, <laughs> <Bunker. laughs> Uh Sorry, I got distracted. Um, the top box we be heated. Uh, use that camping gear that you carry to the coffee shop. Slow-cooked ribs. Right, uh, the right box can... Can have the heat off the exhaust pipes, into it as a smoker. Mm. And for dessert, I'm glad Hydrate you asked. Carbons. Liza, put an ice cream maker in the left box, <laughs> pack it up on ice <laughs> and just ingredients, and the bouncing gonna <laughs> trail will make an awesome ice cream for after dinner. I legit might see about using my right pan air as a warmer for a lunch stop. Patty. There it is.
3: Oh, that's not bad. Bagel, you have that email I sent you?
5: Silly geese. I do.
3: All right, go ahead and read that.
5: So uh, this is an email from uh, Sam Hill. and what uh, Sam Hill? Sam- is that? Sorry, <laughs> Sam says, "I hope you're drying out, misfits." John a <laughs> "John, from, John from Maryland here, yeah. doing a bit of riding in the rain myself lately." So the founders of Harley Davidson were three guys named Davidson and one named Harley. Okay. Specifically, the three Davidsons were William, Walter, and Arthur. The other fellow was William Harley. I'm told they decided Mr. Harley was the was the one most crazy about <laughs> motorcycles so they call the company Harley-Davidson instead of Davidson Harley despite the brothers outnumbering Mr. Harley 3 to 1 which leads to my question why does it what what does it say about Harley fans when many of them call their bike Harley-Davidson leaving out the second D in Davidson
6: is that is true the same-
5: Sorry. Is the single D used for some for the same reason? HD bikes use a single pin crankshaft to save money and give us a lumpy ride. <laughs> ah! Wow, Harley Davidson hate mail. God damn, so, son,
3: Emma. He also provided us a picture. Now, oh look that, Those are the the Davidsons and the Harley. Do they look yes. like accountants or what? Yes. <laughs>
2: right? Yes, all business.
0: They, they business. all, all business. look like, all look like accountants. <laughs> that's all right.
1: <laughs> Old timey money people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a there's a little one who's scowling, and I think that's Arthur oh, yeah. Davis. They're all scowling. Yeah, no, the <laughs> little one. The little one's very scowling. Peop- He's got a very furrowed <laughs> yes. brow. They're scowling because they do all have Do people say Harley Davidson?
6: <laughs> well, I think if
1: they're stupid, they do.
3: I <laughs> think only uh, because they're drinking.
1: Yeah, I've never it heard anybody Davidson, refer it to Davidson. a Harley Davidson it, it happens, Davidson. it happens in the car world as well. You know, a lot of people well, um, describe those Italian sports cars as Alpha, which is A-L-P-H-A, Romero. So you've got an Alpha <laughs> Romero. <laughs> <laughs> what?
3: All right, we got time for one more. We've got a little short one there, and this is a good one, Emma. What you oh, about?
1: this is from Michael Dorn. He's hey, one Michael. of the Dons. Hola, misfits. Thanks for my addressing my email last week regarding me trying to quiet down my loud HD yeah. road king mm. that has aftermarket slip <laughs> Quick update. I've decided to follow Miss Emma's advice oh, and no. go back to stock, smart guy. Fortunately, I had stored my stock mufflers away and they are in excellent condizione. Ah, good.
3: Okay. Uh, my That's question
1: is, do I have to tune my bike again when I switch back to the stock end pipes? I will keep the high-flow air filter. Thank you. Uh, by the way, I ordered and received the Motorcycles and Misfits Steve shirt. As, as thank you for your advice. Oh, cool. Thanks for the podcast. It's a great-looking shirt. Yeah,
3: that's one of the ones from Zazzle. So we what? have the shirts available on our website for sale, but then we have these designs I put up on Zazzle, Zazzle so that anyone can get whatever size or color or, the or I, style you of shirt they want? That
1: co- is that, Would you say that's mustard or pudding? Khaki. It's puddin'. Puddin'? It's puddin' Yeah,
3: but that's the fist and the wrench. Yeah, it's a great-looking
1: shirt. No, you should be all right, actually. I mean, truthfully, these days, most everything, when it leaves the line, is set up pretty lean. So I'm guessing his has got a power commander or a juice box Mm -hmm. on it. Um, Simple answer, Michael. Bung your stock pipes on. I think it's going to run just great. Run it from, you know, a couple of weeks to a plug chop. If they look really, really black, pull the Power Commander. But you know what? I think they're going to look just fine. Just leave it as it is. Put your stock pipes on and enjoy the ride. And I will tell Michael this. He has forgotten how good his bike sounds like on stockpipes. They do sound good. They sound amazing on stockpipes. They've just this really nice... Harley were very, very clever with the tone of their stockpipes. The amount of people who come up to me and say... Dang, that super glide sounds good. What have you done to it? Stock, stock pipes. Stock pipes, yeah.
2: It goes like this tomato, tomato, tomato. <laughs> it goes
1: tomato, tomato, tomato. <laughs> tomato. darling. <laughs>
3: well,
2: how come English bikes don't go tomato,
3: no, tomato? <laughs> take- <laughs> hey, all right. We got one more email, and I saved the best for last. So this one is from our friend John. Johnny.
0: There's a lot of and John
4: names today.
3: He wrote a song. Oh, uh. Oh. Tell me. No, it's not a good. Tell me why. He wrote a song. It's called "Burning Road," and he's sharing
1: it with hunk us. Hunka hunka burning road.
3: Hunka hunka burning road. I'm gonna play a little bit of it for you, and then uh, we'll we'll do our outro, and then I'll play the rest, just so you guys can hear a little bit of it. It is here. We go. This is. Oh, let me go to here. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, about motorcycling. Here you go. Here's a little taste of it. got a good beat, right? What kind of road? Can you imagine yourself going down the road on this? And this is an original song.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the wind in your head, the
7: stars in your eyes. Feels like we won a carnival prize. Let's ride this way, babe. Turn around the mm-hmm. world. This burning road is ours to shake. All right,
3: so what do you think of that?
2: Amazing, beautiful.
3: Oh, I think that is quite. So- I'll well, I'll play the the rest of the answer. Everyone can hear the whole song. But um, I Nicely I like, I like that.
4: Ch- 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 Where can somebody sound, get that? Uh, if one of our listeners wanted to find it.
3: You know what? Um,
1: Spotify.
3: Yeah, you can go to Bandcamp, oh, and yeah. it's John Michael Lind L I N D. There you go. Don't forget that D on there. It's not like Harley <clears> Davidson. <throat> it's not Lynn. It's John Michael Lind.
1: I wonder if he's a relation to Bob Lind or Paul Lind. Oh. Well, no, no. He, Paul Lind had an E on the head. Bob Lind, um, you know, Bob Lind was. No. He wrote the, uh, what is it? The Bright Elusive Butterfly of Love. Okay. No, wow. folk song from the citrus. You all at That's some point tonight have this. lost <laughs> me completely.
3: <laughs> but hey, we got through it. This was a show where I had no show and we pulled it together with a with a, just a medley of
1: stuff. We always do, Liza. You of little faith. We're never going to be short of material because there's always so much Mm. going on. Okay. Mm -hmm. We're never going to be short of material. (laughs) Yes, but
3: I'm the one who has to come up with that material every time. But, hey, I did it. And that's the thing that's great about this group. Going back to all the misfits, past, present, future, is I've also been blessed with having people I can just bounce stuff off of and just come up with a crazy idea or here's a topic and go sure. with it. And that's I think the other thing too. The people in this room are all people who like like to like let's go down that road. Let's let's talk about that. What is the Golden Age? Let's talk. <laughs> and it, and this is what really the podcast is all about. This is what we do in the garage. Yeah, we sit down and we're having these conversations. We're part, talking about <gasps> part
6: of it is like hypotheticals. Enjoying telling people that they're wrong.
3: And there's that. You know,
4: you're you're totally wrong about that. I just want exactly, say that. exactly, <laughs> and <Anna> agree. Yep.
3: <laughs> so yeah, I think also, you know, you say when people coming around on the podcast. These are people that like to talk incessantly about motorcycles.
4: <laughs> Emma's tearing balls off over there. Oh, geez. Mm.
3: Okay, I think we're ready to get out of here. <laughs> hey, go to uh, go to to Germany with Emma. Castles and curves. Come to our rally. April twenty first to twenty third. Drink gin and
1: tonics and see my boobies. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't overpromise and oh. delivery now.
6: You know what I mean? Oh, I'll
3: show anybody. Um, well, yeah, I know. That's why we got to make it a raffle
1: prize. I've seen them. Just to reduce... Emma, Emma you know. is
6: a walking spring break. So get ready for... A, <laughs> bring your, your spring break carnival beats with...
1: Yes. <laughs> and and hang, hang on. Oh
3: wild. Uh, yeah. We now can understand what the rest of the country goes through with, with weather and waiting for the riding season. I get it now. Nine. I get it. I, I feel bad that, yes, anybody has to go through this. So get out there and ride. And if you can't ride yet, hang on. It's coming.
6: Yep. Get out it there is. and ride.
3: But get out there and ride. Be you a rider or a biker.
6: Hmm. Mm. Yeah. Or yeah. a motorcyclist.
3: Or a scooterist.
6: Or a scooterist. Or a scooterist. Oh. oh, scooterista. Those
3: guys. Ooh, scooterista. Yep, yep. Or,
6: or a bicyclist, for that matter.
3: No, we don't <laughs> like them. No, um, but get also get some sun
6: is what I'm saying. Go out there and get some. Go sun. to
3: motorcyclesandmisfits.com uh, and you'll find the link to everything there. And uh, oh, for all of our Patreon subscribers, uh, five dollars or more. The new shirts have been ordered. There's still a chance if you are a Patreon subscriber or you become a Patreon subscriber, at $5 or more, uh, you'll be sent the code to order the shirt for free at no cost to you.
4: Mm, I haven't got um, my shirt yet.
3: Uh, you're, you're ordered, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, And I'll be shipping them out next month. So join us on Patreon. And we've had a lot of new Patreon subscribers. Emma, you've got some emails I to answer. I have indeed. And so that's my way of saying thank you. Everyone, I think we're ready to get out of here. Thanks, everyone. This is Eliza. Stubby John, Emma Dolly, Craig, Bing Bong, <laughs> <And> Bagel. <laughs> and we're out of here. Ah, cool, cool. <laughs>